Summer of Games. I love CGI movies. All right. I am joined as a quick fill-in on this week's Triangle Squared by Mr. Chris Figuera. Very close, but no cigar. But hi. Trust me. I realized, but I was also having to clear my throat. So it's okay. (laughs) You go ahead and tell them your actual last name, Chris. Figueroa. Thank you. To be fair, yep. I shouldn't be drinking this diet, Dr. Pepper, which, you know, you get that soda throat sometimes. Yeah. You get that slimy mucus. Ugh. Yep. It's interesting. You get it from ketchup, <laughs> too. And as much as I love ketchup, there's nothing like post-ketchup throat. I have an important question for you. Do you put the ketchup directly on your fries or off to the side? It depends, but 99% of the time it's off to the side. Okay. I don't think it ever depends. I think people who do that are psychopaths. Well, even when I say like it depends, what kind of fries are we talking? Any type of fries. Okay, let me back up and explain where I do use it. And I don't oh, get boy. this very often. That's why I say 99%. Okay. Um, something like Texas Roadhouse or places like that that have like fried dishes that come out on a hot plate where mm-hmm. there's cheese and bacon and all sorts of like chives and stuff on it. Sure. I'll do ketchup over that because I eat it with a fork. Well, that is a specific type of meal. I just think when people get like a burger and fries and don't put the ketchup on the side, it's it's psychopathic. I mean, I'm probably sure I do something that's psychopathic to you, but that's not it. That's not one of them. Well, I mean, that is my one thing. So that's the one thing that you think is psychopathic. So all the other yeah. psychopaths in the world are completely free and clear. As long as Jeffrey Dahmer didn't put, you know, ketchup. <laughs> then me and him are cool. <laughs> yeah, then it's totally fine. <laughs> well, Chris, thanks for joining me this week, man. Uh, Saul is having a rough go of it. It's his stuff, so I'm going to let him say what he wants to whenever he comes back to the show. Hopefully he's back for next week. Um, from what it sounds like right now, he should be, uh, but it's going to be a rough next 30 days. So with all that out of the way, Basically, everything that's going on this week in the last couple of weeks is very related around E3. So the long run of this episode will not be a traditional like news section. Instead, we're going to kind of quickly do our opening like we always do. It's going to be kind of fun to hear what Chris has been playing because I genuinely don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then we'll get into the community's take before we just break into all of the E3 Summer Games Fest and everything like that. Yes. Um, so Chris, time-honored tradition – we gotta we gotta go through. First of all, since Saul's not here, I gotta say this is episode two fifteen of Triangle Squared. Lucky, lucky. Yeah, exactly. Look, you, you're picking up right after Saul. Yeah, doing my best. <laughs> almost like he's here in spirit. Yes, he left you know, a like legacy. A, you know, like Patrick Swayze in that movie Ghost, where he's like holding his hand around his girl, like while she's doing pottery. <laughs> yep. Like Saul, Saul has his hands around you right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we always start the show off the right way before you get to hear about where all we're at. You know, this is uh, this is about getting together and having fun. What have you been playing this week, man? I've been playing a lot of stuff, which I'm sure doesn't surprise you. But So here's the weird thing, just to break the behind the wall for everybody. Yeah. Me and you game share. Yes. So you download stuff all the time, and I could make the assumption that you're playing yeah. everything you download, but I've made that assumption before and been entirely wrong. Yeah. You download all the time, and yeah, I don't I, know that you play very often no, what you I download. Don't. I tend to buy stuff on sale and immediately download it, even delete stuff, but then never play it, and then end up deleting that later down the line. <laughs> the cycle continues. It always does. <laughs> so what have you been playing? Um... I've been slowly going through Mass Effect 3. I've fallen off hard, 
Um, and then Dirt 5 and a lot of MLB The Show. Ooh, Dirt 5. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember talking to you when I saw that you downloaded it. I was like, oh, sweet. I've been kind of wanting to play Dirt 5, but I didn't yeah. want to. It's kind of what me and you both do, where we don't want to ask each other specifically, <laughs> hey, are you going to get that game? We yeah. just kind of wait and see for one person. Be like, oh, by the way, I got this if you want to play it. <laughs> There's a game funny enough is a game specifically i'm waiting for because i've seen you mention you wanted to play it so I'm like hey i'm not gonna buy it because i know me, me, i think he's going to uh, what, what game is that? i'll tell you your answer right now uh, how rust. likely rust yeah, yeah there's, a, the, there's a very high chance i buy rust yeah i figured because i knew you guys were talking about it in the discord and once i saw that i was like okay i don't have to pre-order this i'll just fucking <laughs> wait or i'll just wait it's cool. You got your one, and you know yes. the FCC regulates one. Actually, the FCC doesn't regulate podcast at all. But you know what? Our listeners who expect this show, some of them, to be nice and clean and mostly family friendly. There you go. You got your one I, FN. This I is still PG thirteen. To the listeners, if Saul has been replaced this week by a Puerto Rican chef, uh, cook, kitchen worker. So I don't know what else. To tell you. I love how you move from chef. <laughs> I don't want to give myself that high of honors. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a kitchen worker. Wanna... I don't want to use my official title. Well, fair <laughs> enough. All right. So, to really just been playing Dirt 5 and uh, what did you say the other game was? Uh, a lot of MLB. MLB. Um, I sh- I'm not surprised there. Are you, doing, are you working towards plat? No, I'm actually specifically not platinuming it. I'm just working on my Diamond Dynasty stuff. What? That's wild, dude. You got the platinum the last one. What's keeping you from this no, one? No, no, no. I just want to finish Mass Effect 3 first. I could get the platinum when we like during the show if I wanted to. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so on just, Mass Effect, uh, question yes. for you. Mm-hmm. This is part of the reason I, I've warned a couple people who are playing it to be a little careful, depending on the type of gamer they are. The reason that you've fallen out of it, is it specifically because of Mass Effect 3, or is it or is it because you've played Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 back-to-back-to-back? To back to back? It's exactly because I've played Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I played 60 hours of Mass Effect in two weeks, and then once I got to hour 80, which is about halfway through Mass Effect 3, I was like, dude, <laughs> I'm good. This is not my favorite time on the Citadel, and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> well... One of the reasons I say that is like Saul, and this is a far lesser example, but it can still happen. Saul played Uncharted 1, 2, and then halfway through 3 kind of just fell out. Or not even halfway, yeah. I think it was at the beginning. And he was like, I just got fatigued, which I mean can happen mm-hmm. regardless. But it's, I think it's a lot easier for a higher percentage of gamers to get fatigue from a pretty involved RPG series. You know, that's like playing Morrowind. Uh, Oblivion and then Skyrim back to back to back and not getting a little burnout, you know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's exactly. just hard to do. That's why I, I told a lot of people, I think, you know, people are like, I wonder if I'll just play all three or put games in between them. I was like, for your safety of, of mental stability, you should probably try and filter some smaller games through. That yeah. way you get a small break, but you don't remove yourself too far from it, you know? Mm-hmm. I also think three, um, I don't know if you've played it. But there's three I've not played. No, I don't know that I want to call it filler. But there's a lot. There's a lot more missions because they want to kind of give you closure with everyone. So the game kind of goes longer in places where I don't need it to. Like there's a specific mission. The last one I did where I I finished it and I was just like, okay, I'm glad I saw the resolution of this character. But like I didn't need to do all that shooting to do so. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, that's always the weird balance about those games, let alone like the ending of trilogies, but also as gaming gets bigger, they're like, well, people expect more storylines and side quests. And if we want to do those to the best degree, then we got to put this, this or this. And there's also like that obsession that I don't necessarily know because I've not played Mass Effect 3 that it's affected by it, but definitely late PS3, early PS4, there was that obsession with like, let's just have a bunch of stuff to do, whether it's actually compelling or not. Yeah, I don't know necessarily that I think that's the problem. It's just like, I think the game feels like it needs to give you uh, windows to fight. And I don't think it needs to every time. I I can only think of one mission in Mass Effect that ends without conflict. You okay. know? Yeah. And that, that by the time you're 80 hours into the series... Again, I did this in two weeks, so this is really my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah but of course. by the time you're 80 hours in, you're just kind of like, okay, this gunfight's the same as the last one i think i'm going to take a break and that's what i've been doing well it's funny um that you say that because one of the things like i've been playing biomutant and yeah. there's a, a lot of things i'm only a, like maybe 11 hours in now mm-hmm. um I've, I've been really playing it hard the, as soon as i got back from my birthday vacation uh so that was most of yesterday and i played a little bit at lunch today um but I wanted to get back into it because my first couple hours, there were things I liked about it, some charm, and then there were some things I didn't Yeah, uh, because I just think it tries to do a little too much. I was willing to keep going, and I'm glad I did. I found a rhythm with the game that I like. The game still isn't what I was hoping that it was going to be, mm-hmm. and I think the irony is that they delayed the game to try and go bigger in scope, and that, in my mind, is translating to they delayed the game to add all these extra... <laughs> uh, mechanics and stuff that some work some aren't that smooth but still work and then some flat out just are poorly designed or poorly implemented and i'm like would this game have been better if it would have just originally come out when they were probably thinking it would and if they would have not tried making the game too big but i'm enjoying it but in in response to exactly what you're talking about with mass effect one of the things i've actually appreciated about the game is that it while it's a little the narrator and like the i'm going to assume translation of how they thought things sometimes what you're reading and the options you're given you like i don't really feel like these mesh together all that well but most of the time when you're taking over forts there's options where you can talk with the people of your tribe before you're going into the new uh, outpost and you could say like hey what's going on uh, you can choose to go directly into battle you can choose to ask them what they've seen around and sometimes it can lead to other ways to go about breaking down the fortress without hex or the outpost without actually having to do the outpost um so it's like either non-combative measures or you know interesting ways that like one that's really early game so i'm not really going to consider it a spoiler is that you can go underneath you can ask him hey have you looked at what's going around and they're like ah we found some moth nests that are underneath and there's a tunnel that comes up in to a part of the uh fort and so if you go and break all the moth nests down they'll go up into the fort and basically push all of the enemies out because the moths will be trying to make a new home there and bam that's how you can take over that outpost you don't even got to go into it ever and i thought that was kind of cool because i do get tired of well the answer is always fight them (laughs) and one thing i like too is uh whenever you get to the end of certain outposts it's not all of them i'm not really sure what does it but when you're going to fight one of the captains at the end of the outpost to take it over you'll have the option to (coughs) persuade them not to fight you 
and mm-hmm. join your cause peacefully. And now it's a it's a roll of the dice charisma move. So the higher charisma you have, the better chances you have. And it's always two options. It's either pure charisma and you can see your chance on like a bar uh, of, of success. And then there's an option that is charisma, but also with like a bit of a threat behind it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's you have a higher chance of success but if you don't succeed you lose it's like negative one charisma permanently and it's really interesting uh so far i'm pretty high charisma so i have a pretty high chance and i've been rolling the dice a lot to try and do things in a non-violent way as much as possible and i've really enjoyed that aspect of it okay haven't done Uh, much else i did really want to play biomutants so Maybe one Sad, day. Sadly, I did not get that one digital. So. Oh, I noticed. I'm just, oh, just fucking okay, with but, you. But I also, <laughs> hey, I also got it for sixty dollars. The entire collector's edition for sixty dollars. Hey, I'm not man, really sure why. I respect it. But Amazon said that it was price matching something. So yeah. I'll take it because that statue alone is like, all right, I'm going to consider myself to have paid thirty dollars for the game and thirty dollars for the statue. No hell yeah. No, I'm <laughs> if just, you're I'm if you're looking kidding. for my official like anybody who is because I talked to my buddy Donovan about it the other day. Anybody who's looking for my official BioMutant recommendation, they've been really quick to patch some of the things into the game that I thought were odd. Uh, so they're actively working on it and making it better, which is good. It should always launch in the best shape, but when it's a small team of 20, it's a lot more reasonable to be like, okay, at least you're trying to fix it in post. So waiting for PS5 is probably uh, a, a PS5 edition. It's probably not the worst idea. Mm-hmm. And waiting for a 30 to $40 price point, I think, is where most people will find something to really like about the game. And cool. hopefully some of the weirder jank <coughs> that's nice. not like game ending or game interrupting will be fixed so cool uh i, I played a little returnal yeah uh, that game is so weird because like every time oh. i'm playing it when i'm actually in it i'm like okay yes this game's great and i love yeah. it yeah and the moment that i die in a run for whatever reason i'm like there's no way i'm about to do this again yeah <laughs> so i have Dude. to wait like a few days at most i would if, if i and i haven't been but at most i would be doing a, a run a day you know yeah i i gotta be honest man i don't like that game <laughs> Well, it's weird. I, really I know don't. we had that kind of behind-the-scenes conversations where you're like, I think it's an amazing game, but it's also a terrible game, and I never yeah. want to play it. Well, I think, and I know we joked about it last time, but like, I don't think I like hard games, and that's what this is. Like, I don't I think don't I think like Dark either. Souls games. Like, I don't yeah. think I like any of these things. But yeah, the funniest thing about going through like your game library <laughs> is that you you buy every Souls-like game. Yeah. Souls, yeah, Souls like or whatever, and and you never beat them besides Bloodborne that I'm aware of. Dark Souls three, you did beat Dark Souls three. Okay, yeah. and it's just so funny because you're like, oh, okay, like of course it was one of my. I think it was my game of the year last year. Weirdly enough, um, I really loved um, Mortal Shell, and yeah. it's funny. I was going to buy it, looked, and you just randomly hopped on it, and I was like, sweet, I don't have to buy it. <laughs> I and, played. I didn't even beat the first boss of Mortal Shell. I was like, exactly. nope. Yeah, it's so funny how that ends up working out, but it's yeah, game sharing is so funny because you can just see that the buying habits and playing habits of the other person. I'm, I'm much like you in the sense of I am a little quick to buy stuff on sale yeah. and be like, I'll probably play that, and then never even remotely play it. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I try do to do that much. less and less these days, but yeah, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> uh, Ratchet and Clank came out. Uh, I know that I, bu- I did buy that one digitally. I got it with yep. my PlayStation uh, reward points from my card as a treat yourself birthday moment. Did you end yeah. up playing that alone? I have. I played a little bit of it. What uh, do you think? It's gorgeous. 
figured as um, much. I, it, it seems fun. Um, I don't know. I got to be honest. Like recently, it's been just I just I I'll play five minutes of something, and I was like, no, out. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go back to MLB. It's just something <laughs> very calming about just you're an you're an addict baseball. mode. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean I love baseball in real life and yeah. I'm at the point where my team and the game is getting really good, so I'm like, oh, I have to grind out for the characters, which I think I was telling Blake, but the the last characters I need to finish my live collection of the MLB cards uh, would cost around $1,000 real-life money. Ooh. I'm pretty sure more. Like, one single player, like the Mike Trout, Mike Trout card is 500,000 stubs which is $500 basically. <laughs> and you can earn that in the game? Yeah, I could do it. I'll never probably do it, but I could <laughs> theoretically. Oof, that's rough, man. But I get yeah. what you mean. I have that time too where sometimes I'll be playing a game like I just kind of want to go play the other game and I'm yeah. trying to control myself right now. Like I I so like technically Ratchet and Clank was a birthday present like it yep. came out on my birthday which is cool but I've not played it yet because I thought I was like you know I'm, I've still not beat Returnal um, I've started Biomutant and I just don't really want to hop in a Ratchet while I have Biomutant sitting there so I kind of made the conscious decision to focus on Biomutant and actually beat it and give it a chance and I'm glad I did mm-hmm. uh, and beat it before I go into Ratchet which means it'll be a little bit before I go into Ratchet but I'm okay with the wait I mean the game looks great I like Ratchet I already know that I've liked every one of the games I've played yeah. so um, I, I think yeah. I've become more of a, of a fan <clears throat> across like the last three entries than mm-hmm. I was before I remember falling off of uh, Ratchet and Clank Future Tools of Destruction um, I think was the first one. It might have been a crack in time, but I think a crack in time was a sequel. I can't remember. Anyway, it came with my PlayStation 3, and I was just so much wanting a different Insomniac game. Like, I was so hyped on Resistance at the time that I <laughs> traded that game in to buy Resistance. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. The, that's just kind of where we my, are. Uh, this will be my second Ratchet and Clank game ever. What was the first one you played? PS4? Ratchet and Clank, yeah. Yeah, PS4. I figured as much. And I never finished it. Interesting. Which I also don't think says game. much about the game. <laughs> I don't think it does either, knowing the way you play them. <laughs> yeah. All right, <laughs> um, uh, man. Let's well, hop before, in. Be, well, go ahead, do you go mind ahead. if I... Because there's one other game I want to call out. I haven't played a ton of, but it's the free PS Plus game, Operation Tango. Oh, yeah. That game is awesome. So explain it for me and the listeners, because I kind of loosely just read about it. I didn't actually watch the gameplay. It so, seems like the whole point is like, I won't say asymmetric, but I guess technically... Well, you know how a way co-op. out... like it's, a, it's kind of like a way out, except one person plays the hacker and the other person plays the infiltrator in a, in a heist. And I was playing the infiltrator, my, brother, my buddy was playing the hacker. And it was like the first time I've ever felt in a co-op game that I'm working with my friends to complete our task. Because yeah. there was stuff like he could only see some some blockers on his screen that would screw me over, so I couldn't see them. So he had to guide me while also moving across the space I was setting before it all went away. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, it's, a it's funny that you. Game. It's funny that you bring up a way out because I do feel like that is still true of a way out too. Uh, now you've not gotten all the way through way a way yeah. out, but I, it's a very unique co op experience. Playing, so I'm sure, Tango sure. is as well. I, I um playing what I have played, I would say that a way out and tango are almost inco- incomparable because a way out just does it. S- or, I'm sorry, a way out. It's not. I'm not going to say it's like um, frivolous or whatever, but it's not. It's not like you can't get 
now I'm getting weird, but you can get past certain things with obviously someone else's help, but you don't have to be like to do this part, you have to do this or you can't do this kind of thing. At least that's how I'm taking it. Yeah, no, I feel what is weird about games like Tango and whatnot. And I'm glad to see this stuff is it kind of reminds me of when people would create their own co-op games out of multiplayer modes and like old PS2 games. Um, I was making a PSP. This has been so long ago. I was making a (laughs) PSP Counter-Strike game. Um, whenever I first modded my PSP and was like getting moderately interested in game development. Yeah. And, uh, I was going through and I had a pretty solid base up. I was trying to kind of uh, replicate CS source, uh, for PSP and, there was all sorts of weird little things. Like I could, I could figure out how to make it to where you could climb ladders, but no matter what I did, whenever I would make something interactable, it would turn it blue, and like the texture would disappear. And I just, I still to this day have zero clue what it was about it. But yeah. it was just really interesting. And me and my buddy, we would just play local like uh, ad hoc co op. I had that working. I could never figure out how to get actual like online, which probably is also because i didn't have a server <laughs> but yeah. we had that going and you know we would just play stuff like that and clearly the game wasn't finished you could just basically shoot the other people <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it wouldn't even really like keep up with the score or anything i didn't have any of that built in um so we would just play and sometimes we would play and be like okay i'm gonna shoot you and or you know we'll, we'll go through and actually play and we'll keep like an internal log of who won by the time that we just considered be done um or we would like create weird little games. Like we play hide and seek. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just interesting because like I had a little bit of a map going and where that idea came from is uh, me and him used to play me and my buddy Seth is who I'm thinking of. We used to play the PSP version of rainbow six Vegas one or two. I can't remember. And we would do hide and seek there based off of like the little mini map uh, thing where you could kind of see people so we would try and hide and if you were quiet enough and still enough you wouldn't show up on the radar so like it was a game of trying to be clever but also not trying to move like you had to really hide well the first time and we would just copy stuff like that so I like things like that because I can imagine someone being in a game and being like oh I'm going to pretend to do this and do this and you're going to guide me through this based <clears> off of what you're seeing and someone's just like we can make our own version of that yeah that sounds cool man I don't know. I love stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I never played it, but I love the idea. Did you ever play uh, Fluster Cluck? I think is what it was called. No, never. Hold on. Probably actually, own it, I, I may be thinking of the wrong game. I am actually, uh, even though that is a <laughs> that is a it's game. definitely a game. Uh, what is it? Is it? Oh, it was a game. It was. It was a game Phantom where you screen cheat. I think the game was called Screen Cheat. Really? I've never heard yeah. of it. Okay. Yeah. Screen Cheat. <laughs> it's a. It came out on PS4, and it's a co it's a, a multiplayer game where the whole point of the game is to look at the other people's screen in the same room as you, so that uh-huh. you could understand where you were because you couldn't see yourself and you had no way of knowing. So you had to like find people and whatnot based off of what they could see on their screen. I think they were invisible or something weird, but it was an interesting idea. Is basically just how how do I figure out what they are, where they are? The whole point of the game is screen cheat <laughs> cool i mean that sounds interesting i'd never played it though that'd be a fun game to get everybody together on and just see how it works let's rock it yeah we could do that uh that'd be one of those cool get the get the listeners together kind of moments yeah. all right chris do you have anything else you want to talk about no on your games I'm happy to move on what are you going to play next that you think like you know you may not stick with it but what do you think is your next game that you're really actually put some time into uh, whenever you buy rust 
probably. <laughs> I didn't know you were that into Rust. Uh, I've always really wanted to play it, but I've never had the people for it. Okay. Well, there we go. We'll see how that ends up working out. Hell it's probably yeah. going to be Bob Mutant and then Ratchet, which is easy because it's like 12, 13 hours, and then <clears> Rust. Cool. So that's that's definitely achievable. And then once we get the Rust thing started, we'll kind of throw it out there so that you guys in the community who want to play with us can uh, do it. Because I need to look into it, but I'm hoping that the console has big enough room for like a lot of people to come in and play or it has a mega server like the pc version does we'll see i haven't looked into it anymore because i didn't want to get myself hyped up to want to play it (laughs) Uh, just yet but i mean we're going to head into the community's take you guys i know it's been a little bit so uh thank you for the patience on it uh it was actually one of saul's and sadly he's not here to give you his answers but we'll we'll cover that in the long run uh saul's question was what's your favorite game demo why are there any demos you've played that have turned you off a game uh that you were excited for just as kind of an extra part of the question um Chris, since you're our guest today, I'm going to give you the opening slot here. You can choose whichever Ooh. one that you can see that you want to talk about. I'll go with Facebook from our buddy Josh Drago, who says, RE8, stomp on me, Lady D. Which, <laughs> to which I say her daughters are hotter, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, yes, but let's we, we could take a moment to talk about the fact that the daughters are clearly more attractive. Yeah. It's... Not for everyone, of course, but for the people who are into Lady D, it's entirely the hype fantasy. I don't really, I, I can't explain it, even though I am moderately like into the idea. You know what I mean? I get it. I think Chris Raygun described it the best, where he said, uh, "What more manly sexual conquest is there than climbing a boss from Shadow of the Colossus?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's. Yeah. Uh, well, I think for me, and I don't know how tall you are, but I think for me, like I'm six two, six three, yeah. in that in that ballpark. So I have never dated or kissed or anything anyone who's even remotely my height. Uh-huh. So there's that part of me that's like, well, I know what it's like to have to like stoop down to do everything. What's it mm-hmm. like to be in the inverse position? What's it Not- like to have someone who's like a foot and a half, two feet taller than me looking down? <laughs> It's not bad. I'll tell you that much. I do like tall women too. I just also like the goth insane woman look. That's for me more than the uh also agree with that. So I, I I'm I'm into you. I get to I'm I get what you say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go and steal one off of Twitter real quick. We got uh sir derek one of our patrons he says uh easy tony hawk pro skater one i played that warehouse level hundreds of times uh hours of play on just the demo bought the game but didn't play the rest of the levels nearly as much as a demo <laughs> yep uh, i've had that happen to me with yeah. other games where you just play the demo so much that you almost like wear out the entire mental room you had for the game <clears throat> on just the demo then you buy the whole thing and you're like i've kind of had all the fun i was gonna have with this yeah. game that's like the early access conundrum. Oh, see, that's why I can't do it, man. Definitely yeah. early access that, or I want to say early access, but demos that are like, oh, it's the first hour, but some of those times it's like, oh, well, we're not going to let you carry over your save progress. And I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going to play an hour or two of a game and then restart an hour or two of the yeah. game when I buy it. It's like, you're, you're better off just, I'm better off waiting and just rolling the dice and seeing if I like the game at launch and buying it than I am trying to play a demo and then yeah. restarting. Yep. I did that with Temtem. I bought that and 
this is going to expose me a little bit, but I realized it didn't have trophies because it was an early access, and I was like, well, there's just no reason for me to play this now. So I just deleted <laughs> it, and I'm waiting until it comes out. <laughs> oh, that's rough, man. Hey, it is yeah, weird. Um, one of the things that happened during the Xbox thing we'll get into in the long run, though, is like games that they did in early access that are finally getting achievements. That's just a weird thing to think about because yeah. PlayStation's been pretty against early access for the majority of this gen. So now that they're kind of doing it, it's weird to think about, oh, here's a game with zero trophies. And not yeah, because it like will it. never have trophies, but because they'll eventually be added later on. If it, was, if it was me, I would just put the trophies in and be like, some of these just might not work. Do it at your own risk. But, but do you think I, the I reason- get why they don't. I mean, yeah, fair that, but do you also think the reason might be that they think that the current feature set of the game is not enough to warrant like a platinum list? Maybe, but it's also a thing where like Baldur's Gate three, right? If that was a PlayStation game, that's only like half the game there, I think, at this point. So you couldn't even finish it. So I think that might be part of it too, where it's like you either sure. don't want people to be like, okay, well, you beat the early access one, so do we give you the gold trophy for beating it for beating the game? You know, so what? I just think it's easier to not have to answer that question. I mean, yeah, I probably agree, but the weird thing is of is games that actually retroactively make their trophies harder. Um, yeah, like Terraria. And, yeah, Terraria is the perfect example. Like that game is so much more complicated to platinum now than it was when I got the platinum, which was so much more complicated to platinum than when the game came out, mm-hmm. because their trophies aren't like oh get all of or it's not like oh get thirteen pets. Because that's all the original game had. Instead, it's get all the pets in the game. And every time they update the game and add a pet, it's like, aha, that's a new one. Get all the mounts. Oh, okay. Well, we added a new mount. So now if you don't have that trophy and you were one away, now you're seven away. <laughs> yeah. Dude. That's why I haven't gone for it. Infuriating. There's no way in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Too for many like pets. A- for a small window in time, I basically had a perfect uh, thing where all you had to do was join me and I would get you most of the hardest trophies. Have a fully hallowed world, have a fully corrupt world, have a f- I all sorts of, I can't remember all of them. I have all the pets, all the armor. It was all just set up in uh, two different states of a world, one I fully hallowed and one I fully corrupted. And then one of them had a chest with all the armor in the game, all the pets in the game, all the mounts in the game. Damn, that sounds like it would have been convenient for me like a year and a half ago. <laughs> all Saul had to do was log on and do all that, and then his only trophy he would have had to get was uh, kill all the slimes, which would have just finally uh, – it would have been him finally getting a rainbow slime. But he was just too mad at the the low spawn chance of rainbow slime that he was like, I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> You're the type of guy I feel like if I told you that, you'd be like, I will get this rainbow slime, damn it. <laughs> uh, I respect it. Yeah, man, you're like you're one of the few people that just hustles for trophies in a way that I can't. Yeah, I don't even know if you know the story, but I had to play Mass Effect one like three different times to get the platinum. I know that you definitely had to like restart it or go back to some degree to be able to do a side quest a specific way. Yep. Well, the thing is, like, I when I finally did unlock that trophy, it was the last mission I had before the ending and that unlocked it and i would have done an entire playthrough over before moving on to mass effect 2 so oh rough right, let's get another answer out here yes. um i'm gonna go grab one from discord um we got um brog 88 he says i played the tony hawk demo for hours and he included 
I remember this actually, the Dreamcast Generator Volume 2 demo disc. It had mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, The Last Revelation, Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver. I played that demo so much. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Railroad Tycoon 2, Sonic Adventure. I played that demo a bunch. Dead or Alive 2, Rayman 2. Also played that a bunch. Fur Fighters, I played that demo and immediately bought the game as soon as it came out. I still have that game with my Dreamcast. I love it so much. It plays like shit now. It's the, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's a, it's an old Bioware game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you ever, I don't know, have you ever played the Dreamcast? No. Okay. Yeah, it was Bioware. It's called MDK2. Okay. And it's super weird game. I don't <laughs> even really know how to describe it. There's a dog smoking a cigar, shooting a gun. Uh, there's like an old mad scientist and then like a pointy, like alien version of pyramid head yeah i can get it for 9.99 on steam yeah super weird game but i loved it when i was a kid i don't still have that one but i have to imagine it would probably be really rough (laughs) by now (laughs) but it's funny because we're talking about mass effect and this is uh bioware at a very different time in there yeah bioware (laughs) and interplay yeah that's crazy oh man yeah great demo disc Uh, did you like were you playing games whenever demo discs were still like a big thing yeah that's actually convenient because we can move into uh, over on Facebook. Chris Figueroa says uh, <laughs> Dragon Quest Eleven. He really liked the demo and he bought it. He's excited to play for five hours and never touch it again. That happened. The best demo ever was though was Halo One. I got that on a demo disc. I used to leave my Xbox on overnight trying to beat it. I used to leave notes for my dad uh, to leave the Xbox on, and he never did. Blew my mind when I actually played the Halo CE in the Master Chief Collection that that was only the first level. And I agree with him because I did all of those things. (laughs) Chris is very in tune with you, it would seem. Yeah, it's like we're the same person. I dude, I think that that's so funny that you're like, I want to beat this thing. It's like, oh, that was just the first level. (laughs) Dude, it blew me away. And the thing is, I never played Halo until after that, like recently. Well, you know what's weird is like the uh, Halo Infinite like backlash. It's so weird. And don't get me wrong, I had it too, but I'm also not like a huge Halo fan. I like Halo, plenty, plenty good, and I'd like one and how open it is. And a lot of the people that were actually like hyped for Infinite are like really solid, like long time Halo fans. Are like this looks like Halo One with more crap, and that's so weird because like that's exactly like what they showed of infinite was basically just halo one's style of design like let's be a huge game that was originally designed for pc and then moved down to console in a lot of ways and that's why i think halo 2 focusing on xbox as the primary platform you saw a big shift in the game design um where you didn't have that same thing it wasn't oh this is just the first level Mm yeah um I don't know. I was just like, a t- the funny part is that we, me and my brothers just couldn't beat it. Like, could not. Oh, we spent hours demo? on it. Yeah. And just couldn't do it. And then, uh, yeah, it just blew my mind when I did it in about 15 minutes. <laughs> there is a game, speaking of a demo, that I could never beat. And I, le- I left it on all the time trying to do it. It came on a PS2 demo disc that had <clears throat> Ico on it. Um, oh. And it had this game that I know the name of is the crazy part, and I cannot for the life of me think of what it was. It was it a jam pack demo? Let me let me see real quick. 
we're going to know real soon if it was or not. <laughs> um, but it was one that had Ico, and then there was this game that was, I think, originally a 3DO game or something because it was a very early PS2 game. Maybe it was called like Portal Hunter or something like that. Okay. Let me let me figure this out. Portal Runner, maybe? Give me a second. Yep. Portal Runner. Portal Runner. And it was a, it was originally a 3DO game. Anyway, I remember the demo had like this big 3D chessboard. And like you were looking out and like it was super weird. I felt like none of the things actually made sense. <laughs> but I was also a little kid and I was just like it was so cool even though it made zero sense. <clears throat> and you were just running around and like a with a bow and arrow and like I remember that the art for it is like this girl with like a old style bow and arrow wearing like a cheetah skin or like leopard skin bra and panties and there's like a lion jumping through as well and yet I'm seeing like a planet and some checkerboards and like you can climb up different things it was super weird <laughs> yeah it sounds interesting I have no idea what you're talking about but it sounds like it- fun interesting ps2 times you know what i mean <laughs> yeah uh, i didn't start playing until the original xbox which makes it even weirder that i never played halo until master chief collection but that is weird what games do you play on xbox um i was a big uh jet set radio and brute force fan crazier to me that you've not played a dreamcast uh, i know jet set radio is like a touchstone i listen to the soundtrack regularly dude that soundtrack it's bangs. so good and jet set radio future is a very solid follow-up to the original game i really like that game i actually think, I think it's, it's better good. than the first i was gonna say i can't play jet set radio but if you gave me future right now i would play it so you played it since they brought it over to like xbox 360 and whatnot the original yeah i don't like it yeah it's not the same Oh, it's definitely not the same. I mean, <laughs> it, it benefited from being on a far more powerful console and with a couple of years of game design improvement behind it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. They uh, need let's to just see. bring it back. I'm going to go grab one off of uh, Twitter again. The Outriders demo. Also, I'm glad oh, to okay. see demos coming back. You know, me and Saul talk about that all the time, but that's great to see because those types of demos are just, you want demos definitely for a new IP that no one knows what it is. Very smart use. And yeah, Outrider seems to have done better because of it. <clears throat> yep. Not for me, Let's but... see. <laughs> uh, Josh Ayer is one of our patrons. He says, I played a F-ton of Guitar Hero Metallica's demo and way more of the game. Um, yeah. I did not... I didn't play that one. I've played a ton of Guitar Hero demos, though. And you would always be like, there's no more songs. I'm, I'm screwed. I really want to keep playing songs. Uh, for myself... Uh, I think we're going to pull one more from Facebook, but real quick for myself, since you've uh, read yours, good sir, uh, was Skate 3. I mean, it's not Skate 3, Skate. Uh, the original Skate demo for 360 at the time because I didn't quite have a PS3. Um, I It was like a month before I got one. So I would play the demo for like three hours every night for like the whole month leading up to release. And it was just that opening area of like the around the, I don't know what you'd call that. It was like a skate park. But dude, so fun. And I love the idea of it just being whatever you want to do in this area, you just have 30 minutes. And as soon as that 30 minutes is up, you just exit and re- bring the game up and play for 30 more minutes. And we don't care. But at that point, why even give a time limit? Yeah, I don't know. Just let people play it. And I th- I've always thought like gated after a certain point, but just let me play as long as I want. 
<laughs> yeah. But I guess it's to make you want instead of replaying the demo over and over like we did with Tony Hawk. Yeah, I guess that there's something about like the the dopamine act of having to like close the game and reopen it, like reaffirming how excited you are for the game so much that you're going through the process just to play more of it. Yeah, exactly. Probably, it's all mentality, you know. <laughs> True. Uh, my wife was talking about something on Instagram the other day of like, I hate when they put the before picture um, after, after the the yeah <clears throat> after the after picture or whatever they put the before picture first and then you have to swipe to see the after i'm like what do you mean it's like you're you're supposed to put the after picture of hair because that's what she does and then swipe over and then they see the before i was like well Why? does it really matter i said because look i said did you swipe to see the the after she goes yeah i was like then it did its job it's all just well, psychology well but it's the before <laughs> and after if 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 i saw like like i i'm, I'm trying to lose weight so if i posted if I saw someone post a weight loss before and after, and it was one where they're skinny and one where they're fat, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, what happened?" You know, like <laughs> I would not think like clearly something happened where you've gained a lot of weight in a small exactly. period of time. Yeah, all right. That, let's it's see. just the mentality of it for me. Last one here. I'm going to grab it from Facebook, and it's Michael Potter Schneider. He says, I really enjoyed the Switch's Damon X Machina demo, especially after the developers took community input. I would have bought the game, but not for $60. There's something to be said about the... Uh, I really liked it. A, a lot of Japanese games seem into it. Like um, Team Ninja did it with both of the Neo games. Uh, the idea of, hey, we're going to put a demo out, you can play it, get an idea of where the game's at right now, and then we'll take your feedback to heart when, as we keep making the game. Yeah, great. I never, uh, I never played Day Day Sex Machina. I think that was what it's I didn't Damon either. X Machina. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember seeing it, and it does look interesting. But I, just, I don't know, man. I, I think me and you've had the conversation plenty of times. It's just so hard to get me to even pick my switch up. <laughs> I don't yeah, understand I don't. it. I've bought games and tried and be like, I'm going to do it. And then I just don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's honestly, I, I'm sure we'll break into it at some point, but that's my biggest disappointment with Xbox and Bethesda is just that I don't really want to turn my Xbox on. Not yeah, that I can't. And I think I'd I'm rather a little, earn my trophies. I think I'm a little more, uh, it moved the needle, moved the needle for me a little bit more, but I still mostly agree with you. Like, even though I thought it was a fine thing, uh, but yeah, Thank you guys for the community's take. We will figure out what we're going to do based off the end of the, as we kind of go through the episode, see if we stumble onto something fun to ask. But I guess from there, I will quickly say, remember that this show is brought to you by you and by us because we have great patrons who support us uh, and help us cover all the costs of the things we do every month. So we thank you guys so much. If you would like to become a patron and be that extra support system for us, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. Huge help to us and even that small amount of money that we hope isn't a huge amount to you. If it, if it is, we're perfectly fine with everyone who listens for free. Uh, we're just lucky to have people who act as a support. So we don't have to worry about those pesky advertisements. Uh, it was a fun experience to do it, but I definitely prefer the world where we don't have to. Just kind of do it the way you want to do it. Um, so that's how we've done it for the majority of the run of the show, and we'll keep doing it that way. Thanks to all of you who do. 
And remember, if you want to be part of the community's take section that we just did, you can head over to uh, Facebook and find the Triangle Squared group there. Ask to be entered in, and we will gladly accept it. You can head over to Twitter at Triangle SQRD, or you can click on the link that's always in the description below in the video or audio versions of these podcasts and join the Discord where there's an entire community's take thread for you to answer the question on and go in depth as much as you want. With that out of the way, Chris, you ready to start talking about what we've seen so far uh, with kind of the uh, the summer of games, you know, Chris, Christmas and summer for gamers, as they tend to want to call it? <laughs> I'm ready to talk about Christmas. Okay, so first things first, first thing that happened that kind of kicked all this off, Summer Games Fest. Um, clearly the biggest thing, I think, in terms of the internet and I think also for Chris and I, Elden Ring. Yes. Now, here's the interesting thing. Elden Ring is a big pool here, but you just discussed not liking hard games. So are you excited for Elden Ring? Uh, I'm definitely going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, history shows that you absolutely will. Um, Elden Ring seems like the one that could capture me again. What do you think uh, it is about Elden Ring that you've seen so far? Or is it like the small outer details like George R.R. R. Martin being part of it? No, I, I mean, I have my I have a take about the story of that game. But, um, no, I, I just think the open world, for me, kind of implies that the difficulty is going to be a little less. Especially with, it seems like, multiplayer being almost the focus. Uh I think it's just going to end up being an easier game to play. And in worst case scenario, I can just invite my friends who I know will be ecstatic over every little thing. Interesting. Uh, there was a thing that came out today where I think Miyazaki had mentioned <coughs> quite a few things about Elden Ring. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Because uh, it was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, here it is. Eurogamer. He dropped a huge amount of information about the game. So, let's see. He says, multiplayer co-op will be possible in large open areas and boss battles. Uh, That's one of the things. Yep. So you are correct there, but you seemingly won't be able to ride together in multiplayer. There's also some asynchronous multiplayer, as you would expect, but players are able to set up groups and keywords. So very similar to traditional FromSoft multiplayer. Um Largest game ever by From Software playing uh, would take roughly 30 hours without many detours. Interesting. Okay, let's see what else we have here. I want to say I saw something at some point that was kind of a um, talk about the way that it's designed. And mm-hmm. it sounds a lot like Demon Souls, which I don't. Did you play Demon Souls? Yeah, I got through like half of it. <clears throat> the original version or did you play the ps5 one both both okay yeah mm-hmm. it seems like it's very much like that from when i was reading earlier and i could be misquoting i hope i'm not but i want to say i saw something that said it's going to have like a hub world and um kind of going back to where you touch you have something that you do that teleports you to these areas so that you can kind of continue through them um and you don't have to go in order you can just kind of play <clears throat> how you want yeah um, so, which I mean, to be fair, you don't have to go in order for the most part in um, the Souls games either, mm-hmm. but you definitely don't have to in Demon Souls. It's kind of just whatever you want to do. Yeah, just pick <laughs> a world. Well, I also think that something exciting about this one is I think the only games in this genre that I like are Miyazaki's. 
um because three is him bloodborne's him and or the original is him but that game's just too too old for me to even get into at this point I mean, so I think that's, fair, that's but, part of it. But, you know, Demon Souls was him as well, uh, though it was kind of... I mean, it ended I mean, up the way it did because of him, for sure. I um, liked Demon Souls, too. But back then and even now, it's just... I just don't need that experience right now, either. I feel. Well, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I really like that, though. One thing I want to say is you can't... Unless you think it's going to be, like, crazy spoiler, you can't set up the... You have a take on the story for that game and then not expect to have to pay it off. You oh. wrote a check. It's time to cash it. What's up? That's fair. Um, no, I, I think that George R. R. Martin phoned it in, and this game sounds like a copy of The Lord of the Rings, like, badly. But Interesting. How much How much influence do you think, like, do you think it was just him writing the story, or do you think it was him and Miyazaki kind of collaboratively working on it? From what I read, he didn't even write the story. He just built a world. Oh, and I'm they wrote the story inside the world. Yeah, Elden Ring's lore was written, at least in part, by Song of Ice and Fire author, jo- author jo- George R. George R. R. Martin. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, there, There's a synopsis, I guess, not to call it another <laughs> content creator on your stream or whatever, but Maddie, Mr. Maddie Plays did a whole breakdown of Elden Ring, and I was listening to it as I drove because I do the YouTube premium or whatever so I can close my phone. Me too, and shout out. I was I was listening to it, and the more he talked, I'm like, okay, 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 this is Lord of the Rings. And then he finished, <laughs> and I'm like, this is Lord of the Rings. And I haven't even read or watched those movies. So if, if me as a layman is like, that's just Lord of the Rings, I think you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I see right here. This is like the short version. It says... Um, it tells the tale of of the tarnished, an exile from the lands between, who seeks the Elden Ring, mm-hmm. the source of something called the Erd Tree. According yep. to the story gleaned so far, the goal is to find the pieces of the broken Elden Ring and wield it, becoming an Elden Lord. Players can mm-hmm. presumably see more at the okay at the end of the little thing. But yeah, I mean, I can see hints of what you're talking about there, but it'll be interesting to see because I mean. You don't, you, you know. You, you go on a quest to find a ring of power so that you can take over the world. You are oh, just you playing as Sauron. You go on a quest Sauron to find the broken game. pieces. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. But you're, you're just playing as Sauron in this game. I mean, uh, yeah, I definitely <laughs> see where you're coming from. It's interesting being that you don't know much about Lord of the Rings. And I mean, you're not, at least from what that small snippet, you're not that far off. <laughs> and his was actually, the one he read was a lot longer. And that's the thing. Far it was more like involved. the more he read, I was like, God. You're not even trying, George. <laughs> I guess you really want to finish those books. <laughs> like what? Oh man, this will stop me from finishing those books. <laughs> I did. Um, I'm gonna quickly kind of go through, and you can stop about any of the ones you want to talk about. Uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is the spinoff uh, series that they're doing from Borderlands. Tiny Tina that moved the needle for you at all? Are you a big Borderlands fan? No, I don't care. I've tried. The only Borderlands game I've legitimately liked is one, and I think it was just because it was at a time in my life where I had four people who were able to be in the same room, and we were just all playing in the same room with TVs hooked up. I think it was the the experience more than the game. Yeah, I really like one and two, and then um, I was supposed to play through three with all my friends, and I went to work, and they played the whole game without me, and there was nothing compelling me to play it beyond that. So (laughs) I was a little pissed, not going to lie. But yeah, well, I never played it after that. So Well, I tried playing two, and I got about like three or four, maybe five hours in with friends when it first came out. I bought it. I was excited. And it 
even though I still lived and had people kind of around, it just wasn't the same. I got bored, dropped mm. it. I've tried replaying on Vita, which is not the ideal experience, to be fair. Got bored, dropped it. Tried playing it in VR, got bored, <laughs> dropped, dropped it. it. Yeah. And then played three, <clears throat> like maybe halfway through. And then kind of got bored and was going to drop it. But I was like, I'm going to try and play with people. I was still just bored playing with people. So I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to drop it. So this doesn't <laughs> do anything for me outside of the fact that it could. Some of the characters are interesting. But I think all of the minutia of going between those just kind of got boring to me. Uh, so maybe there is something there for me if it's less of a Borderlands-style game. But it just kind of depends. Because I, yeah. I really liked Tales of the Borderlands where it... it you know, it's nothing about all the actual gunplay. I like the uh, story, like, pitch of this one. I just don't know that I believe in Gearbox making a game that's really fun. Yeah. For me. <laughs> well, they call it here, Wonderlands is a fantasy looter shooter, which yeah. does it instill a lot of hope in me. They say rather than an RPG, but they act like... Is that not exactly what Borderlands is? I mean, yes, I guess Borderlands is technically still an RPG, but they always talk about it being a looter shooter more than anything. Yeah, I think that's mostly it. But I just like that it's a and d game, which I think makes it more of like a... makes more sense to kind of give it that Diablo quest for better pants kind of thing. Yeah, I will say that's something that I never got with Borderlands. The, the want for the better gear never clicked in the way like a Diablo 3 does for me so i was like i get that you have an endless amount of guns and ridiculous stuff but you don't really make me want to spend the time to get them and it's funny because you have a story to kind of bs me through and give me something small to hold on to whereas that's true of diablo but even after diablo's very short story is done i've played hundreds of hours of diablo just to get better gear yeah um i don't know i'm not into the looter shooter it's why i didn't get into division i've tried just can't i just don't like it I don't blame it's not, wor- it's not worth the time investment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. One of the other big ones was like Jurassic World Evolution 2. Um, oh, I'm actually very excited for that, believe it or not. <laughs> I didn't play the first, um, though I remember I it being... Oh, you do? <laughs> yes. What type of game is it? Quick pitch. Um, is it basically like a sim game for them? Y'all like Zoo Tycoon? <laughs> okay, it's yeah. Got, it's Jurassic Park. <laughs> okay. See, I, I don't mind that. One of my favorite games of all time is Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. I oh, love so those good. type of sim games. Uh, so depending on how it's executed, I could see myself very much liking this. Though there's something about the old ones where it's like you kind of just do everything mm-hmm. that has somehow been lost with the new games of that genre. Where yeah. I loved like in, in Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, you can just like click on everyone and see exactly what they're thinking and what they yep. want. And you can pick them up. And I remember as a sadistic child, I would just <laughs> pick them up whenever they were upset. Yep at me in the park and I'd drop him in the water and wait for him to almost drown and right before they almost drown I'd pick him up and drop him on the land and be like hey remember your time should be better here now because you could have drowned and I saved you literal god is punishing you right now yeah I used to do like the scream towers where you the ones that go up and then down and I'd set them so that when I turn them on they are right and then I'd edit them so they're very small and they would just shoot up and then they would just go to nowhere and they'd come back down and everyone dies. I was very sadistic in that game, too. I don't get what it is about being a kid with like an open play world of like limitless power that just brings out the... I guess it's like you got to test how evil you truly are. Like It was fun, but I also knew I would never do this to a real person if I, no, if, if I had not. the opportunity. But since it's a game, and I this would is never, not a real man. 
if I was a if I was really a roller coaster owner, I would not dig a hole in the corner of my amusement park, fill it with water, and dump people in there who were mad at my amusement parks. <laughs> Gotta save my Yelp reviews. I've thought about that because I feel like those types of games could still work today, but that's one of the few times where I really don't see how you tr- have that exact type of game without a keyboard and mouse uh, because like part of the fun of that game is the way you edit terrain. Like I wouldn't, I would still want it to be a grid based terrain where you can raise the corner on one side and just have the control that was there. Maybe even more control, but I feel like a modern version, even my worry about Jurassic world evolution two here is that it's not going to be that in depth. It's going to focus on a few small things and it's going to be less mechanics, but those mechanics are going to be more in depth, which is okay. I just kind of miss that. Oh, you can kind of do whatever you want. And all of the features are still pretty robust. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll I see. I might it's, very uh, well play Jurassic World Evolution. I it's, mean, it's very fun. It's, is it it's, is it relaxing in the same way that like Roller Coaster Tycoon Two is? Uh, no. It's it's one of those things where you I think if you're gonna play it, you really gotta like the world. Uh, it's very like there's a lot of missions and stuff, and some of the stuff doesn't make. It's not a perfect game, but I really do enjoy it. So I saw that I saw that announcement. And I was like, okay, here we go. This I can't is the remember what it was called, but there was a Jurassic <laughs> Park mobile game where it was really? like you. It was kind of like what I was talking about, where I think it may be called Jurassic Park Builder, where it was basically like a top-down third-person isometric game where you would not really it's almost like roller coaster tycoon meets like original warcraft where you couldn't like edit all of the land around you completely but you could just like basically move the map around and be like i'm gonna build a t-rex pin right here and then sometimes like oh the the t-rex is breaking out and you gotta you gotta go quickly over there and try and contain it and whatnot it's fun yeah i don't i don't recall playing that but it sounds like something that would be up my alley yeah, I mean, I don't know. I could. I thought it was interesting. I haven't played it in a long time because I just don't really play on my phone much. But yeah, I found the video of it. It is called Jurassic Park Builder, cool. and it's just. But you know, it's the same problem where it gets to a point where you're having to wait like eight weeks for something to be built. And that's why you just quit playing those games. Yeah, like I had I a good time with, uh, with Clash of Clans until it was like, oh, it's going to be eighty years before this is done unless you pay thirty dollars. <laughs> Yeah, I did a lot of uh, Simpsons Tapped Out, so I have my experience with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, Death Stranding Director's Cut reveal was primarily... I mean, yeah, it's cool that it's coming to PS5 and, and in an advanced way. You mean the uh, Metal Gear tease? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's so much about that. What do you actually think that is? Do you think it's teasing a Metal Gear remake, or do you think it's just teasing that Sony and... Kojima are still closer than rumors suggest. Uh, both. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the the trailer represented Kojima passing the torch of Metal Gear, and I think that after all the leaks, after all these uh, leaks and rumors, I think it was a very deliberate choice to have Kojima talk with him about literally nothing. And then have PlayStation Studios, PlayStation, and then Kojima. And what was more funny is it was like, can you tell us what's coming next? And he's like, no. well, I can't really say anything, but also one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was just I, I like, love the, the, the actual trailer, though, was, was really funny. Definitely for people great. who are like big uh, Metal Gear fans. Yeah, apparently there was a lot of like 
um, some speculation I heard was that most of that stuff was actual Metal Gear sounds and yeah. legitimate references. So it was yes. kind of like they were saying, it was Colin Moriarty was saying, like, Sony and Konami had let this happen. Yeah, like, dude, where, there, where, <laughs> where there's smoke, there's fire. Exactly. The, the, it's, it's really hard to get away from this being something related. And I mean, yeah, of course, at the end of the day, it is just to announce a director's cut. Though I'll also say, I think if Sony was really as disappointed with uh, Death Stranding as some people like to suggest, and that's they wouldn't be part of this. why... Like, there was this rumor out there that Sony passed on kojima's next game and they still might have we don't actually know that but i don't think that they would go through and go through the trouble of making a ps5 exclusive director's cut yeah exactly if they weren't happy enough with how the game went um and i i know that people are doubling down on that rumor but if i'm not mistaken part of that rumor was that death stranding was coming to game pass and that is clearly not true I never saw that part of the rumor, but I didn't dig deep. So it's possible, but if that was part of the rumor, rumor, I think it's absolutely false. Yeah, I, think, uh, I mean, I think, it was clear if, that on console it's going to be on, <clears throat> play, on PlayStation, and it was just able to be put on PC to kind of appease Kojima, who yeah, wanted exactly to not be locked down. You know, that's yeah, exactly. I think best they, of both they, worlds as far as when they concerned. when they announced that they had signed Kojima, they said it was a PC game. This is I don't know this wasn't a surprise it shouldn't have been so no I mean you know yeah I definitely got the feeling that it was going to be multiplat for PC only um, yeah you know exactly. PC and PlayStation which is not that weird for Sony they do that often even in deals that they've made with like um, Square Enix and stuff they'll be like even and even going back years it's like oh you want to make a PC version fine yeah yeah nobody cares about PC even though it's the most powerful system uh, Metal Slug Tactics is that anything for you oh that's the, that was the best that was game of the show. Okay, biggest one that you liked, okay? Yeah, that looks incredible. I've never played a Metal Slug title, but it does look good. Oh, I so. don't care about Metal Slug. I just love tactics games. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. The fact that it's a tactics game. That's why I think I, would, I probably would like Metal Slug. It just, oh. you know, it's one of those things. You should play Wargroove. I have it. That game's really good. Yeah, someone else has told me that. I think it was one of our listeners, uh, Stefan Swanlin. Um, oh. I think he, because he was a big fan of it. And it might have also been our buddy, uh, Sean. So... All right, Men let's of see. Culture. I think the only other thing that was really of anything is kind of like the. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. A lot of it's stuff we already knew about, like Tales of Arise, and some of it Can't was wait. new. Tales of Arise actually looks really good. A lot Cannot better than I wait. gave it credit for. It looks great. Um, that Vampire the Masquerade multiplayer game, Blood Hunt, which. Awful. The weird thing here is I feel like there's a lot of vampire media going around. Yeah. And I don't know if that's. And that's, you know, we'll, we'll get into that as we start talking about Xbox, but. I don't know, man. I, it's kind of like in movies where you see a lot of the same game or the same movie types in a weird period where it's like, why was everybody in, in the industry just kind of being like, yeah, we're going to make a zombie movie or we're going to make a post-apocalyptic movie where it's some monster that's unnatural and irregular. It's why you get the quiet place and bird box like a couple months apart from each other. Um, I think it's because it's very easy to make zombies and werewolves hot. So that's why they're popular in my opinion true and there is like this weird thing that happened with like true blood where it's like what can we make our vampires like sexy yeah <laughs> they're eating people but sensually <laughs> um yeah i think that's about it really um you know in the speaking of we were talking about the sim games if i'm not mistaken isn't the uh two-point campus isn't that made by people who are like came off of the original like roller coaster tycoon 
uh, I think you might be right, but I'm not 100% sure. But weirdly, that game, even watching it, I don't want to play that at all. <laughs> no, no thanks. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it other than that. I don't know what it is about Roller Coaster Tycoon and the idea of a theme park that just i'm like yeah hook line sinker you got me here we are <laughs> yeah man i'll give anything a try planet coaster once that goes on sale i'll buy it yeah I'll probably same. never play it but i'll buy it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, i've been waiting for like they're gonna come back and do roller coaster tycoon like some kind of like redux or something they'll call it like where it's basically the same original game but they find a way to make it beautiful mm-hmm. if you ever want a relaxing video there's a guy on youtube who does tutorials of roller coaster tycoon 2 in 2020 it's great Oh, that's awesome! I I almost wish it was like a someone doing it like Bob Ross style. It's like, oh, <laughs> you made a mistake. That's oh, okay. We're just gonna keep it in there. You know, it's just a happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you placed your track on the wrong thing. That's okay. It still works. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you cleared a tree where you didn't mean to. It's all right, buddy. <laughs> keep everything's got a bald patch as we age. Yeah, that's you just know, just a circle of life. Yeah, just little things like well, we all put the wrong track down sometimes, and we just have to adapt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, there's some therapy behind watching Bob Ross. <laughs> there is. I love it to death. Um, oh yeah, I think that was really. Is there anything else that really spoke to you about summer? I mean, yeah, summer game fest. No, not really. Good for Jeff Keeley though, getting Elden Ring. I want to tell you right now, though, I, I was totally right, and I'm not even hitting like swinging that hard against him because it's i think he did some things better i don't like the way he chooses to present shows it's way too long in the tooth and i feel like it's full of so much filler that i don't give a damn about and i'm like i would rather you just come out be there very seldom and then just let the games roll and instead he's like oh here's this and then i'm going to talk to this person about call of duty and we're not going to show anything we're just going to talk about call of duty on the stage that says call of duty for like four minutes and then we're going to go to the next thing and okay now we're going to spend too much time on this and then we're going to have somebody sing a song i knew you were going to complain about japanese breakfast and and i love them hold on though (laughs) i actually am not complaining about that I'm, i'm i am and i'm not i'm complaining that there's that and the and the thing at all i don't really see i've never understood the point of here let's get popular music in the middle it feels like weird like not even the oscars i don't even watch enough tv to be able to compare it but it makes me think of like the golden globes or whatever where there's like performances in the middle of it i'm like i don't know what this has to do with anything it's like we're talking about movies and you're like and here's rihanna with her new song (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) i don't see how these two things are connected at all but what I liked about like the Japanese breakfast one in particular was that it was music from a game and showing scenes from that game as kind of like a pre-teaser for when you could see more of the game in the coming future. I was like, I'm okay with this. It was kind of fitting. And then Weezer was kind of the similar thing. It's like at least he tried finding a way to make them matter and coalesce instead of like that time where he had Ray Sumred or whatever the ear drummer's backwards thing is where they were just doing that that black beetle song or whatever it's called and i'm like i don't know what this oh, has to do with anything. ray shreman yeah yeah no you're right i don't know <laughs> but i i just think it's impressive that he went from greg miller to getting elden ring at his game show you know it's pretty impressive fair enough i mean yeah it's also i mean clearly it was going to happen right when ron reynolds kind of yeah. name dropped it i was like ah they're being too tongue-in-cheek if it doesn't happen now people are going to like riot in the streets <laughs> it would have been actually super funny if it happened. it, it would have and definitely if it because it was ryan reynolds that said it. i could believe him stoking the fire for no real reason absolutely 
<laughs> I can absolutely see that. All right. So following days, uh, there was a couple things. Ubisoft Forward happened. I don't really think there was much that moved the needle for me on Ubisoft Forward. Anything for you? Guardians of the Galaxy. Not, <laughs> that's not, not Square Ubisoft. Enix. That's Square Enix. Yeah. No, Ubisoft was very boring. Okay. Uh, all right. Going into Microsoft Bethesda, um, lots of announcements. We're clearly not going to talk about all of them, just like we did with Summer Game Fest. We're going to talk <laughs> about the ones that I think are kind of important to talk about and then ones that kind of stood out to us. Um, first, because it's also what happened first, Starfield. How'd you feel about the, the way they handled that? It's fine. I think my problem with it is I don't really see where it was needed. I feel like this was only so they could confirm that it was an exclusive. But you could have done that completely free of a CGI trailer for a game that's coming out in a year and a half that I still don't know what the hell it is. And you can, t- and you know, Todd Howard can come out and say, you know, oh, it's Skyrim in space. But if I'm, I, you're not showing me, I don't know what the hell you're just telling me something, you know? Yeah. And it also, I feel like how tone deaf after like Microsoft and Xbox got kind of reamed last year for that entire showcase of nothing but CGI. Like you feel like they would be trying to be like no CGI at all, unless it's like a really tongue in cheek moment, like the, uh, the eventual outer worlds Worlds Two. I felt like that was perfect because it was played into. And the fact of the trailer, it fit the humor of that game and that style. And I think (laughs) it also went to show that the outer worlds is continuing and as an Xbox exclusive. So in similar ways to Starfield, but I just don't think we need to start to see Starfield. And also so weird to me, I was talking about I was talking to Blake about it, and I think you might have been active as well when we were talking about it in our own little personal Discord we have. Um, that I feel like with Fallout Four, Bethesda basically everyone agreed cemented the best way to announce a game and launch a game. Here's the ori- here's the initial announcement. It's less than six months before the game comes out. We're going to show you exactly what the game is, so you can't get weird expectations. And then we're going to release the game. And I feel like since then, Bethesda and, and Bethesda themselves have been like, "Nah, we're not going to do that anymore." <laughs> yeah. And even more weird to me, no other publisher was like, oh, "That's a pretty good setup, and people really like that. We should do that too." It's like no one does that. I don't get it. I think Fallout and. Elder Scrolls, which I guess they announced probably ten years early, so it doesn't matter. But I think those are two things where you they could have announced it a month ahead of time, and it would have done just as well. Yeah, I don't um, think that you don't need this hype train. No, but I think the thing you're missing with Starfield is this was definitely supposed to come out in about four months, and that because and that's why they had to do this trailer because they talked about it already already and it got delayed with covid so they had to talk about it again because it's already out there i don't think it was meant to be a year from now i think it was supposed to be six months from now maybe but i don't still see any real harm and if you're going to show it at all if you're not going to let this just be a uh news snippet where you say hey guys we're announcing just through a press release that starfield uh, here's a couple of screenshots of the game. Starfield is coming out 11 11 22, um, which I don't believe at all, to be dead honest with you. <laughs> oh, I do. I absolutely believe it. We'll see. Fallout 76 came out broken, though. This will come out. It doesn't matter. Oh, we'll see. <clears throat> I hope that they don't do that. 
I hope it, if it does come out, I hope it comes out and it's exactly what it needs to be, and it's and it's actually not in a mess of a state. We'll we'll see, but I think that you could have done that just as a news blurb and said, "Hey, it's coming out eleven eleven twenty two. That's our new window. Here's a couple screenshots. It is an Xbox exclusive." Bam! I don't feel like showing a CGI. If you're going to show anything, show me the game in action, even if it's just a little tease. I I don't really I don't know. It just seems weird to me. I don't really agree with you at all, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> I, I get I think, it. I think, I think this is I one of the specific. This is very clearly probably the biggest game in the industry. And it's a release date trailer. And it's the first show after you've just been bought by a mega corporation. I think it would have been sig- a significantly worse move to not talk about Starfield on stage personally weird like i just don't think that makes i I, I don't think it makes sense to do that at all personally i will take your i don't agree with you at all but i see where you're coming from and give it back to you (laughs) yeah i i don't know i just don't know how why you'd we're not talking about conquer's bad fur day we're talking about the next game from the makers of Fallout and 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 Elder Scrolls. Like this is not. I agree a with game you. That they're you just very poop big. Out on a blog. I, I, don't I think agree, at and all. I still agree with that to a degree. Though I was going to say when you first said the, probably the biggest game in the industry, the, the sad reality is is that Call of Duty will never, would probably never not be the biggest game in the industry. I would argue that Skyrim Grand, is a bigger. Grand Theft Auto. Is a, I would argue Skyrim is a bigger game than Call of Duty. It just doesn't come out every year. I would argue that Call of Duty yearly sells more than Starfield will the entirety of its life. Well, that's a different argument. Well, I mean, I still think if it sells that much, to some degree, that has to move the needle as to how important it is to the industry. Right, but Call of Duty coming out every year is not a story. That's what I mean. The biggest, the next, Are, the, a new enough. IP from fair enough. Bethesda. Yeah, is, 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 as close as you're going to get with Bethesda as Grand Theft Auto 6 being revealed by Take-Two. Right, which yeah. is going to happen at the Sony show next week, but whatever. Oh, okay. That's going to be our thing. When, uh, is Sony going to have a show, and what are they going to announce? July 8th. Okay, let's see. Um, I actually thought Stalker 2 looked awesome. Yeah, Stalker 2 looks really good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly <laughs> the type of game I would want. Like, I remember one of the only games I was actually a little, like, kind of bummed about on the 360 era uh, mm-hmm. before it finally became a multi plat with the next game. I always thought Metro um, 2099 looked awesome. Yeah, it did. But I never got to play it. And then I played <laughs> Last Light, and I was like, oh, dude, Last Light is sick on yep. PS3. So whenever I got to play the first one on PC, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And Stalkers kind of got that, you know, that kind of. Oh, here we are, story-driven shooter game with some weird stuff going on in the Russian area, and I'm all for it. I just I like the vibes. I like their take on the way that they handle post-apocalyptic, and I'm also just a big fan of uh, story-based shooter games. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, console launch exclusive, so guess I'll wait. Yeah, we'll but see. Very excited. Console launch exclusive. So I guess I was trying to figure out because I was under the impression that they bought the developer for stalker no. and that's why it was coming i'm pretty i'm nope, no you're right. i'm not GSC gonna, game world yeah yeah that's yeah. pretty sure the the leak was like it's only like three months too so either way it looks awesome and good it gift does. for them because that's and now if it's three months then no it doesn't move the needle to like oh i gotta get on my xbox now but if it was even a year i might actually strongly consider playing you know getting an xbox to play that um depending mm-hmm. on how it actually fares in the long run okay. 
Yeah, that'll be one where I uh, play it on PC and I really like it, so I spend $60 on my PS5, and I probably don't finish it. <laughs> just because I want to buy it on PlayStation to show them I would. I, no, I just want the trophies, man. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's I see, a disease. I see a game I have absolutely zero interest in, but I understand why a lot of people do. I see a Back for Blood listed here as one of the games you're excited for. Um, oh, yeah. So you you a big uh, Taken? I'm um, Taken. Are you a big uh, Left 4 Dead fan? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think Back for Blood for me is one of the most exciting games that I knew about already, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's been shown a lot in these last, like, couple of days. <laughs> yeah. It's getting a lot of press. I'm not surprised. I was never a big Left 4 Dead person, so I'm not surprised that I'm not at all interested in Back for Blood. I'm also typically not huge on zombies, which is why I find it so interesting that, like, Days Gone ended up being so good to me. Oh, um, Days Gone's the best. Yeah, well, Days those Gone's are freakers, so not zombies, bud. Whatever, That's why dude. you like it. You like the freakers. <laughs> Whatever. I, dude, I, I, if if I have one complaint about that is that I hate when any developer, even Bend, who I love dearly, are just like, no, they're not zombies. We're going to call them something different so that yeah. they look like zombies, they act like zombies, <clears throat> but they're freakers. Especially when you design them to look the same as any as other zombie. As a zombie. zombie. Like, like, at, at least, least The Last of Us tried. exactly what I was going to say. They're at least a different design. <laughs> It's something unique about them. Like, they're blind for the most part. I, yeah, they, they tried. <clears throat> uh, don't be wrong. I ended up really loving, and I think uh, uh, Days Gone, I think that the horde mechanic is actually really cool. So there's ways for me to be involved and in, in like zombie games, but it's definitely more strange that I really love that game than yeah. like me following a rule of always loving zombie games. It's also that if I didn't know that every single person and their mother that I know was going to buy this game, I probably wouldn't be as excited. Oh, but so you're I know looking that at it more as like a, uh, a a big co-op thing where you oh, can yeah. play with I, I know that anytime I want to play, I'll have four people and someone in the party waiting for their chance, you know? I feel, because I, you know, <clears throat> I always have those moments where I don't even have Apex downloaded, Ugh. and I'll be sitting there playing something, and then you'll send me an Apex invite, and I'm like, Chris must be lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always, I'm always trying to like, I always send it to people who aren't playing it who I think might just on the off chance that they'll be like, yeah, sure, fine, I'll play with them. I guess you've finally given up. It's been a while since I've gotten one of those invites. <laughs> well, so with you, I, I do it mostly as a joke because I know you're not going to play. <laughs> yeah, I figure. Um, I, I'm glad you had this one listed as well. I'll quickly cover it just because I think it's interesting that they're going out and leveraging this. Uh, Contraband as the uh, Avalanche Studios, the people behind um, Just Cause, yeah. uh, are doing a new vague open world co-op game called contraband that's going to be exclusive 100 percent. it seems it's mm -hmm. published by xbox games uh, studios um so we'll see i mean i guess technically it doesn't have to be 100 percent exclusive it could be one of those I'm, weird things like uh they yeah. did with sunset overdrive where they don't own exclusive. it but we'll see yeah I, i'm just saying if we're going to talk about something that should have been a press release this that. is the one that should have been a press release this i 100 percent agree the most pathetic trailer i've ever seen in my life and i felt like i learned nothing of the game no there's not there was nothing to learn even like if, the title's generic if you would have just told me that was just a teaser for just cause five or whatever one they're on yeah. now i'd have been like okay 
<laughs> I would have been more. I would have been more interested if it had said "Just Cause Five Colon Contraband." That would have been like, "Oh, what a big exclusive!" I'm shocked they did that again after Tomb Raider, but whatever. <laughs> and then I, but I would have been like, "That's cool." Instead, I just like, "Oh, that was a cool PowerPoint presentation." What's next? <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, there's actually a couple of those moments if my if my memory serves me well enough here. Yeah, but that was probably the most absolute blatant like. Why did you even show this? Yeah. Which kind of brings the thing about like some of the problems with E3, though realistically, here's the thing. By no means did their showcase need to be 90 minutes, which means that they could have cut this and it wouldn't have mattered. Show this later when you have something to show. No. Yeah, because that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I know a lot of people think like so, um, Sony talking about Haven and I can't remember the other studios, but they just announced a bunch of studios that Fire they're working with today. Yeah, yeah and there's there's Deviant Games that they talk, they got in bed with yep. today. Yep, and this was worse than that to me because at least that that was them like, okay, we have these studios. We're not giving you a studio trailer. We're telling you, hey, these guys are doing stuff for us, so and you'll you see it when it's ready. To to. Yeah, exactly. This was just, hey, we bought Avalanche Studios next game. It doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> but here you know it. <laughs> yeah, you want like a? I guess it might be a cartel. Like that's all you can tell. Like it, it, they shouldn't have done this. Yeah, like if you, it's it's weird how many games it looked like it could have been teasing in that very short period of time. I was like, is this like Ghost <laughs> Ghost Recon <laughs> Wildlands again? <laughs> right. It would have been super. It would have been more effective, I think, if it had been Phil Spencer standing there, like, and we're also working with this great suite of devs. We've officially struck a deal with Avalanche Studios, and they'll be producing a new open world triple A player game exclusively for the Xbox and Xbox brand of consoles. This is where you bring him in to actually talk. I appreciated their back to back to back trailer thing. I actually love that. It's yeah. one of my favorite things about when Sony was at E3. Um, mm-hmm. but I agree. This is one of those moments where save this for the end when he's already talking right exactly. before, right before you show Redfall, just have him say that real quick and then be like, yeah. by the way, one more thing that we can actually show you right. that made sense to show you because contraband was just so nothing that it was like, yeah. I would rather this just be like the rockstar agent moment where it's like, ah, we're just talking about something though. I guess that that's the problem, right? Is if you do it that way, people will be like, it's probably just vaporware. This, but this is vaporware. Yeah, this it, is less than. This is just as much of vaporware as Agent is. It is. <laughs> That's the problem with half the stuff we're going to talk about is none of it exists. Yeah, at least in a way that I believe because I haven't seen it. <laughs> One thing that we can say for sure definitely exists, and I'm glad it does. Is Sea of Thieves: Pirate to the Caribbean crossover? Yes, that was really cool, dude. That's so sick. I'll tell you, that's a game where at least at launch. It's one of those games you can play for like 10, 20 hours and you're like, okay, I'm done. Because like nothing, yeah. you've done everything the game really has to offer. So unless you're one of those people that just really likes to play the same gameplay loop over, which I get people are. That's why people love playing things like Call of Duty and Apex uh, and all the Battle Royales that have a never-changing map or at least mm-hmm. for very long periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if I'm wrong there, tell me. I don't play those types of games, so I'm not going to act like I'm some kind of authority on them. I'm I'm acting like you're wrong, but you're 100% right. You're just talking about one of my favorite games of all time. So I'm oh, like, look, I, I want to be mad because it feels like you're insulting it, but there's you're saying nothing wrong. So I'm just like, what can I say? Nothing. He's right, but... Yeah, but some people like, like that. Some people like repeat, yes. and, and I don't. I get very bored very quickly, and I'm like, ah, 
I'm done with this, which is well, I guess one it, of the great things a, about Game Pass because it lets it, you hop into those games that are, are and yeah. free to play games like Apex. Yeah, it just depends on your perspective, right? Is is playing this uh, uh, this a different match of a battle royale the same? I would argue that Apex, in a lot of ways, has the most variety of any game I've ever played. It's just the variety you make, which is why, like in my head, I was like, "No, Brett's wrong," and then I'm like, "Nah." If you look at it on paper, he's right, you know. But yeah, every yeah. every game of Apex to me is a different game. That's why I've played sixteen hundred hours. Yeah, of sure. Apex but it, and I guess where I'll say, like, it's not even a pushback. It's just what it is for me. Is it's a it's it's a different match and very, and therefore potentially a different game with the same yeah. set of restrictions as far as mechanics go. And yeah, I, mean, I, I won't even say restrictions, but the same set of mechanics. Exactly. Uh, it's, so it's, at some point, you're going to reach a point where you've probably done maybe not absolutely every combination of something that can be done but eventually it starts being like ah this is just a slightly different thing version of what i did last game and this is a slightly different version of something i did two weeks ago and eventually i reach a point where the reward for me feels too far gone and then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like okay my time with this game is done but i'm glad everyone else is just enjoying it it's funny because that's how i feel about like the dark souls things where i'm like that was cool for someone i guess but and see i what's weird is i actually agree with you in so far as these people who just constantly replay those games i can't do that either yeah but that's the thing it's like with apex every that's time the same as apex said to me it's like oh yeah. i'm just gonna re- i just beat dark souls 3 and now i'm gonna restart it and play it for two hours and beat it again and then play it again and then play it again well, and exactly. then play it again i'm like well, i'm done i don't want that that's that's <laughs> the appeal of, of apex and dark souls is the skill boost that you can feel you know i can i can just look at my stats from season one to season nine and be like see how much better i got where sure. and that's the same with dark souls where you start off not being able to kill cleric beast and then you beat the games on you know donkey kong bongo drums with just your fists like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know i think that's fair for people to do that though i would argue i think there's a much stronger argument for games like apex where the human element uh for the ai makes it much more dynamic because you can oh, never yeah. quite ex- you know the one great thing about that is like dark souls it's finding the repetition so that you can just beat it with Donkey Kong drums using your fist because you know the exact rules of what those people are going to do. Whereas Apex, you never know who you're going against and how they're going to respond because they're actual human, not a limited set of AI instructions. To be fair, Donkey Kong fist man is insane <laughs> oh dude yeah absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. so yes. i get it but yeah no sea of thieves is a great game where almost every time it updates i go back for another 10 to 50 you know somewhere in the ballpark of 10 mm-hmm. to 20 hours and i really enjoy it and i think this might be the update that may have me play a little longer than that and this will actually make me restart my game pass subscription I know it will. As soon as it's actually out, I'm going to be playing it. So Yeah, I still have it downloaded <laughs> on PC. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great game. And it's one that's fun to hop into every couple of months, just spend some time with, play with friends, and have a good time. So it's, I'm glad you're excited for it, too, because that means me, you, and Blake can all hop in and just have a good time. Contingent on whether Blake has an Xbox at that point or not. <laughs> Blake will No, he'll be into movies. <laughs> uh, okay let's see you're also excited about battlefield 2042 not surprised at all that you are uh but why out of curiosity i mean because i shouldn't say i'm i'm just more surprised because i know you love games like apex and whatnot but this doesn't have battle royale so what is it about this game that's calling to you i think you are calling shockingly early that this doesn't have a battle royale well they've said it doesn't now oh i didn't know they said that my bad then i i was i was like i would not be shocked in the slightest if this had a battle royale but um 
I'm honestly only even looking forward to this game because my brother plays with Battlefield, so I'll probably buy it. Yeah. But I have a lot of problems with Battlefield as a whole. This one looks like a lot of fun. I like the boots on the ground. And I really like that in the trailer they had like the meme of him jumping out of the plane, shooting another plane, and then getting back in. That that kind of signals to me that it's going to be a little more tongue-in-cheek and not as uh, serious of a experience. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah, I think it's been a real serious experience the last couple of games, too, where they've gone back to World War One and World War Two and whatnot. Um, I feel like they really took a dive. I think there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek about Battlefield 4. Um, not to the same degree, but my thing about Battlefield 2042, and I know that I'm in the minority, so I don't, I don't leverage this as a serious complaint, more so as Battlefield 2042, the idea of a futuristic shooter, like not crazy futuristic, but still somewhat futuristic, right up my alley. Mm-hmm. No story, completely off my alley. <laughs> so it's yeah. like I'm not excited for. I went from being excited when I was because I didn't get to watch that live, right? Uh, the original, whenever the EA originally revealed it. Um, but I saw someone post in the Discord Battlefield 2042 and it said futuristic shooter. I was like, oh sweet, I love it. And then it was like multiplayer only. I was like, ah, there it is. Yeah, I'm less excited for the multiplayer only thing. But if I'm not mistaken, it'll be on Game Pass. So whatever no, it's not they've actually that was one of the interesting things here really? there's a rumor going around that it was supposed to be and this would have been and people were like well it didn't happen at the ea reveal because it's going to happen when they show it at microsoft's reveal so a lot of people waited with bated breath to see that day one game pass and it was not there <laughs> well we'll see they still have time but they do if it's not on game pass i won't play it but yeah, it's, it's I a game i will to... try for free but exactly. i know there's no way like you know i get blake and a lot of people's argument that you you would rather pay 70 dollars to play hundreds of hours multiplayer where i would rather pay 70 dollars to pay a third like to play a 13 hour campaign because that's what i look for yeah. Uh, so I mean, I get it. I would be willing to play that game, and I might even find a, a multiplayer that I like. But I'm not willing to pay seventy dollars for that risk. You know, for right. that for that risk yeah. reward situation. Exactly. It's just I, I don't know. That's one of those things. Like I think what I what I'll probably do since it's not a Game Pass is I'll pay for a month of EA Play Pro on PC. And, pe- and if play I like it, it I'll, yeah. And if I like <laughs> it, I'll buy it on console. But fair, yeah. And then if you do that, then I don't have to worry about it. I could play it and try it for free. (laughs) Well, sadly for you, if I buy it on console, I'll be buying it on Xbox because that's what my brother has. (laughs) Oh, no crossplay here? Oh, I actually don't know. But my my brother, as much as I love him, he wouldn't be able to figure out how to use a Discord server or anything like that. I'll just call him. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, bro, you want to talk on the phone and play Battlefield 2042? Let's go back to 2003, bro. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see we play Medal of Honor Rising Sun over here um, let's see what the, let's see how the trophies are <laughs> yeah we'll see how that goes out uh, I noticed you didn't mark it but I'm really interested in the idea of 12 minutes I think it's something that I either be poorly executed <laughs> like I think the idea on paper is cool but mm-hmm. execution will be everything a lot of big names involved with it though I was gonna say isn't it like Daisy Ridley like yeah, Willem could, Dafoe and a bunch of other stuff, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's Tom Holland in there because he's in everything, but I could be wrong about that one. I don't remember him being there, but you're, I wouldn't be surprised either. That's kind of where we are right now. <laughs> Tom but, Holland playing Nathan Drake playing. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea, though. I think that there's definitely something that could be done really interestingly there. So that's cool. Uh, Psychonauts 2 coming is cool. for. I mean, the original Psychonauts is a great game. I struggle as to whether or not the gameplay style would hold up as a modern game. I hope so. 
also uh, very smart of them. I kind of knew they were going to do it. They're doing they're because they own Double Fine. Of course, it makes yeah. sense. They're going to try and make people think that you can only play the game on Xbox, but it is indeed coming to PS. So because uh, that yeah. game was started in development and backed by not Kickstarter. They use this thing that I can't quite remember the name of right now, but you basically you're investing in the game so that depending yeah. on how well the game does, you get a return of investment. So, yep. It was and and their original investment call was that it was going to release on everything. So, Microsoft probably could by some legal means sub, you know, subvert that, but it's probably not worth it. <laughs> It's not worth it. They, I think they'd have to give everyone back their money, and that just seems like not worth the time. Yeah, I mean, either that or they would risk someone doing class action against them. So, it is what it is. Um, so, I know you're a big Fallout fan, but I also yes. noticed that you didn't mark Fallout 76. We've played Fallout 76 together, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. you and Blake, and I think me and you bounced so hard out of that game. Yeah. Um, Does this do anything to reunite your interest to steal Rain, brother, to steal storyline and adding pittsburgh in as a i could not care less about the brotherhood of steel they're the worst faction in fallout but the pit thing i was like oh cool but i will say my excitement for the pit was because i thought that was um the capital wasteland so i was oh. like oh yes oh yes because they're showing the broken out thing so you're uh, trying building. to go back yeah i know where you're and, trying to go back to fallout 3 yeah because there's that there's that part when you meet the brotherhood of steel uh, outside of gnr where you fight through all those buildings and they looked just like that yeah and I was like, if, if they go back to the capital wasteland i'm i'll play fallout 76 and i was like <laughs> oh thank god i don't have to play fallout 76 <laughs> have you played it all since the time me you and blake played nope i played a little bit past trying to see and it's, it's not for me it you know it's it i think you can tell already how, how i am but if I didn't have to get to level 100 for a platinum. I probably would play it, but that just <laughs> completely takes me out of it. I've I played 100 hours when that game came out, and I'm only level 50. No, no thanks. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, one of the big things for me that takes me out of it is I think it, it leans a little too hard, and I'm glad it's a separate title for at least that sake, but it leans a little too hard into the survival aspects. <laughs> it becomes a nuisance at some point where I was like, yeah. I don't feel I don't want to worry about eating. This is not that type of game for me. Like I don't mind games we have to eat. I clearly love the forest, but it's a very different type of game. It feels right in the moment for that. I feel like it's unnecessary in a big open world RPG with a bunch of other stuff going on. My hope is that they're not trying to introduce any kind of forced survival into uh, the Elder Scrolls Six or something like that. Like I, if I'm not mistaken, Fallout Four got an update with a survival mod or not even mod it's just a survival mode and i understand that i think for people that want that extra challenge there's mods that people do for skyrim where you can get that extra challenge of oh you gotta eat and keep your energy up and whatnot and that's fine if that's what you want but i like that level of control i don't want that being forced as the only way to play those types of games because yeah. i just don't want that in an rpg <laughs> i don't mind it i'm just i have a lot of problems with like the lore in that game because i'm a big fault lore guy you know Again, just has a at lot least of early days, yeah, there was a lot of times where the lore is just kind of being crapped on. Yeah, the lore does not make sense in 76. <laughs> Nothing about it makes sense. Yeah, I uh, see, see you got <clears throat> Hades marked over here. There's no reason to talk about Elder Scrolls Online update. I mean, no. if you like it, you like it. There you go. Uh, but Congrats. Hades coming to consoles, PS and Xbox on August 13th yep. is awesome. Yep, already pre-ordered it. 
ready to oh, go. Oh, sweet. That means I don't have to pay for it. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, don't wrong. I actually am excited for that game. I would totally buy it if you weren't. <laughs> so this is just me benefiting as you've benefited. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess you've benefited less because you never play the games. That's on you, bro. Not on me. I bought a seventy dollar game that I would have waited until it was forty for you, and I'm gonna play <laughs> R- Ratchet and Clank. I'm gonna Returnal. Oh well, yeah, that well, I, no, I'm just perfectly bad. fine with seventy dollars <laughs> Ratchet and Clank. I I was down for that for myself. I mean, I still <laughs> understand the argument of like, why is it not forty or at least fifty? The new forty, as we call it. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I don't think I don't understand the argument, but. I it's mean, cool. I just think it's like I said. I think so many people for Ratchet in specific. The fact that the last Ratchet was forty, and that the last, like basically all of, for a long stint there, Sony was doing all of their platforming style games that were short, you know, eight to twelve hour campaigns at that forty dollar price point. And I do think it was a great price point, and I think it made the games do better than they otherwise would have. I think yeah, that's part no, of the reason not. that Ratchet and Clank on PS4 did so well is that it was a low price of entry and it was a reboot. So people felt like they could jump into it. So but who knows? I mean, clearly I, it seems from all measures that ratchet and clank rifts apart. is going to do well at $70. So doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just fully, I'm just fully on team. If they were going to change the prices, they would have done it already. Accept it and move on. Stop complaining about it. It's not going to change for sure. Uh, here's one of the big moments for the thing for me, like, but we, uh, as I kind of mentioned before we started recording, uh, a Plague Tale Requiem is cool, and yeah, I love cool. seeing it. Uh, though it kind of speaks a little to my thing as well. It looked like a lot of CG, <laughs> uh, and I don't. Re- I mean, it's fine because if you played the Plague Tale Innocence, you probably have an idea of what you're going to get. And at least they showed the characters and stuff. Like seeing Hugo o- older and Amicia earlier, uh, older was cool. Um, yeah. But 2022 coming, but this is one of those moments where I was like, ah, sweet, Xbox got a game I'm actually excited for. But in that exact same mindset, like that that same breadth of mind, I was like, but I can still play it on PlayStation. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter that they're showing it because I can play it elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is coming day and date to Game Pass. So for people where that really is a big, important thing for them, there you go. Uh, game Pass is really working wonders here in this uh, showcase. Uh, see, we got to see more Far Cry 6. I feel like as much as I actually do think Far Cry 6 looks good, and I'm yeah. actually excited for it uh, more than I anticipated I would be, um, they just, it, much like Battlefield, they showed it like everything they could. It's like, we're going to show it before uh, game Summer Game Fest. We're going to show it during Summer Game Fest. We're going to show it during <laughs> Xbox. Okay, guys, I've seen the same scenes over and over again. I don't need it anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking forward to Far Cry Six, but I don't need to talk about it. You know, it's Far I, Cry. It's yeah. the sixth one. Yeah, it's we'll see. Ghosts. I mean, we'll see how it ends up being once it's out, and we can talk about what's actually in the game. But yeah, to a degree, you somewhat know what you're getting. Right. So, um, I'm glad you marked this as well. Atomic Heart finally getting new gameplay. Looks Sadly, brilliant. still no gate, uh, still no date, but it looks so good. It does look very good. I think it's a 2023 game, but I think it looks incredible. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm hoping 2022, like maybe even late 2022. Um, yeah, I just think if they don't have a date now, and why? given how small that studio is, sure, it's not coming out for years. You know, one thing I thought was interesting is like early days, it got a lot of Bioshock references. And I mean, yeah. clearly, I still understand where that's coming from, partially just because of that old world style. Um, you know, then they're doing where the aesthetic is very 
what would you even call that? Like retro future? I don't even know. If I, it's probably not retro future, but um, th- that very like 40s through 50s look that even like Fallout and Bioshock all kind of used. Um, but it also, the way that the gameplay was kind of playing off, it kind of made me think of the way that they've shown Ghostwire Tokyo. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw the last trailer that Sony put out for that. You know, no, it's, it's going to be time I exclusive. I wasn't a huge, uh, I'm not huge and in, interested in Tokyo, whatever it's called. I can't remember. Even Ghostwire anymore. Tokyo. Ghostwire Tokyo, sorry. Well, I Tokyo was like cool. moderately interested when they first unveiled it just because it was so weird of a, of a unveil trailer. Also shown way too early. <laughs> but at yes. least the, unlike Contraband, right? Or even like the Elder Scrolls 6 or Starfield, any of those reveals where it's just like weird CGI landscape or something and then a name, like a logo on a backdrop. I like that while I still think that they kind of showed that game too early, the trailer was like at least getting you to think like, what the hell is this game going to be? That's if you're going to show a game early, you at least have to have something that pulls you in, you know? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that game looks, it's very, it's first person like that. Um, You get to see your hands. There's a lot of levitation and kind of, Mm -hmm. It looks rad, man. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me think of Dishonored to a degree as well. I really yep. like that style of first-person game. So I do too. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I, I, I noticed that you didn't put it on here. It looks awesome to me. Uh, that game Replaced, which is like a, that's a retro future where it's like a, the way that people thought the future was going to be back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like a it's like a 2.5D. I think it's a Metroidvania because of the combat they showed, uh, but it may just be considered like a action platformer or something who knows but i'm gonna stick with metroidvania it looks very cool i like the art style it looks fun i'm a big fan of metroidvania so if it is that i'm all good to go um i thought it was really interesting that we got among us and they announced 15 player lobbies which makes sense on consoles to a degree Mm -hmm. but it seems like a lot but it does kind of seem like a lot (laughs) yeah um how do you think that they're going to handle it? I haven't played on Switch. So Switch might... Well, Switch is also woefully behind in how online things work. Nintendo. Um, how do you feel? Are you, are you, are you, have you played a lot of Among Us? Or I you, have. Not yet. The only Among Us I've played was with uh, you guys in our Discord, which yeah. you can find. <laughs> so clearly, I mean, how do you feel about it being even when it's an open party? I feel like it <clears> should be voice chat where the game, comp- like the game on itself, silences everyone when the game's going. And as soon as it opens back up, the game itself smartly takes everyone who's a ghost at this point and moves them into their own separate voice chat. And then everyone who's still actively alive into a voice chat for them to discuss. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand how Among Us works on consoles when you have to type using a console. I don't, I, I'm, yeah, I you don't, either have to adjust the time way more or, or it you has have, to be. Yeah. You could do like the autofill stuff. Yeah. Or like, you know, you have I, a radial wheel where, where they just look at things that people say mm-hmm. often, like sus and whatnot, and you just yeah. quickly choose it and kind of build out a sentence. But I feel I like that even, loses some of the fun. It does. I don't know if they have the capability, and I'm sure someone would complain about it, but this is the type of game that it needs to, when you launch the game, you're taken out of a PlayStation party, or the game chat is auto-switched and you can't change it, and you need it needs to require a mic. 
I don't know why it, games like this don't have that requirement. Like, I agree. We won't launch if you're not connected with a mic. That's the point of the game. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I, don't I, get I, it. I absolutely agree. I actually make that argument for games like uh, Apex and stuff like that. I'm like, look, dude, if 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 you're gonna play this game and you're gonna be in a group with me, if you're not just like running singles, then I don't even see the point of you being on here without a mic because you can't communicate with anyone. At, at least with Apex, you can like ping, and there's that's true. I, you can play Apex without mics, but and like something like Among Us, it's just. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand on PC where it's like uh, all of us are in a Discord and there's like three dudes who just joined us. How is it fun for them? You know? Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I just don't see why you'd balance it that way. I know on PC it's basically impossible to do anything like that, but on console, if it's not locked that way, I don't see a reason to play it personally. Yeah, I mean, and even, you know, PlayStation, and while we're thinking about how the game's going to end up on PlayStation, um, even if it's not there at launch, though I certainly hope it is, uh, if it gets to a point where they can at least tap into the Discord functionality and that's how they handle everything, uh, the game tells PlayStation, oh, you've got Discord functionality built in? Okay, the game is no longer going to use PlayStation's party system. It's going to bounce over to Discord's party system. Everyone who joins the game will be auto-slotted into a Discord party chat. As they die, there'll be a separate party chat created, like I was talking about, where ghosts can discuss amongst themselves and people who are alive can discuss amongst themselves with no crossover um and it's all controlled without any of the users being able to do anything other than mute for the potential of like uh, a mutant report basically for anybody mm-hmm. who may be being a butthole <laughs> right exactly i don't know like just i get that there needs to be some kind of moderation but at a certain point like you're building a, a game like this do you got to do something I I don't see yeah I don't know it'll be really interesting I I really wonder if they just make the time way longer so that people can stumble through trying to type on a controller using a D pad <laughs> you know it's like on phone it makes sense even though the mm-hmm. the the keypad covers the screen basically entirely but you you're typing you you can type on a phone touchscreen really <clears> quickly <throat> you ready for your uh, Among Us branded PlayStation keyboards. Oh god, dude! You think they're gonna try and come back with those keyboards that like attach to the top or bottom of the controller? Yeah, but I, they <laughs> they could also just make a literal keyboard for the PS5. You know, I mean, true. You can just literally USB it in, or even put yeah. a dongle on and it's wireless. Yeah. But I feel so like just... why do that? But I guess the same <coughs> argument exists for voice chat, right? Is mm. well, if you're gonna have it where the game basically requires you to have a keyboard, you're messing up the barrier of entry. Now people have to spend money on a keyboard to be able to play the game, and they'll argue, well, now people have to spend money on a mic. Though technically on PS5 you don't because there's a mic in the controller. It's terrible. I mean, I won't say terrible. It's not ideal, <laughs> but it at least works. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that. I don't know. I just I just think voice chat is important. I I just think the keyboard is just hey here's another seventy dollars you can spend on a twenty dollar keyboard that has a Sony logo and Among Us on it. You know. Yeah, or if you want to go buy a ten dollar Logitech wired keyboard, then you can use that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and what would be interesting is if we start seeing manufacturers make like fifteen or twenty, a little bit higher, but keyboards that actually plug in to like the USB-C port on the controller or something so that even though it's wired, so it's cheaper for them to not have to use wireless tech, it can bounce off of the wireless of the controller. That would be really That'd interesting. That would be smart. And there would be a way to like, hey, you, you set your controller right down and then quickly, bam, 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 bam. Exactly. That would yeah. be pretty cool. 
Yeah, that would be cool. I'd like that. I mean, if, if you're going to do something, I still think ideally voice chat across the board is ideal. But, yeah, um, How do you feel about – I thought it was pretty cool seeing Xbox show a game that I wouldn't have expected them to show. And the – I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to say Ayudin Chronicle, <clears throat> uh, the two games that kind of have that Octopath 2.5D art style, the little turn-based classic RPGs. Yeah, it was definitely cool. I don't think I'll play them, but they looked really fun. Yeah, I don't know that I'll play them either, but I just it, – it, very much feels like the type of game that people in the console war ideas would be like, well, that's not a game that you'd see on Xbox. So I thought it was yeah. cool to not only are you seeing the game on Xbox, you're seeing Xbox highlight the game. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's definitely cool. Um, I don't know. It's interesting that they would do that so close to releasing Octopath Traveler, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if if Octopath was the first game to really use that style, but it's the first game that had a lot of notoriety that did. (laughs) So when you see it, there's kind of that comparison that's going to happen, you know? Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Age of Empires coming through, showing that uh, Xbox Game Studios purchases that they made, their acquisitions, are coming to fruition. It's cool to see a game like Age of Empires on console like this, too. That's really cool. Um, Outer Worlds 2, like we said, that was a cool reveal. My, My man, I love that game. I I love that not even a year ago you told me that the Outer Worlds <laughs> sucked. Yeah, I was really against the Outer Worlds. <laughs> and then like what, three, maybe four months ago, I don't even know if it was that long ago. Not you were playing ago, and you're yeah. like, dude, I was so wrong. <laughs> yeah. It, I've been wrong too, buddy. I know. I've been wrong. I've played games and be like, this game sucks, and I come back to it and I'm like, Oh my god, I can't believe I, I thought this game sucked and then I almost didn't play any more of it. I was so blown away by the Outer Worlds, I bought the DLC at full price. <laughs> when I could have absolutely waited a week for a, a, a sale, another sale, yeah. Guess what? It was guess what was on sale this week. <laughs> Not surprised at all. Yeah. Uh, okay, Microsoft Flight Simulator is interesting here. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I mean, I guess we should say the Outer Worlds Two is an Xbox exclusive through and through. Uh, there was a thing that happened a while back where Private Division, the publisher from the original title, was like, "Oh, we see it as a, a franchise," and I think a lot of people took that as they see it as a franchise for them. I think that they were more saying like, we found a game that we published and we see it going on under its new owners as being a strong title. Cause they clearly as a publisher get to see the numbers that are coming in and they look at it and go, even if it's not through us, this is going to be a franchise moving forward. And I think a yeah. lot of people thought that meant that private division was going to be the publisher and that there was a chance that it would be on uh, PlayStation because of that. No, there's, there's no way. <laughs> no. Even at the no, time, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I anymore. think a better argument would have been the whole legacy thing, but no, there was not. It was never going to come out on PlayStation. It'll be on PlayStation eventually, but it'll. It wasn't going to come out on day one on PlayStation. Yeah, I, and I know that that's going to be a point of contention that we'll talk about in just a second, I guess, because uh, the <clears> last <throat> thing I was really like, Microsoft Flight Simulator is impressive, and I'm curious to see how it runs on consoles, just because it's a mm-hmm. very demanding game. Um, yeah, it's but, cool. Forza Horizon 5 looks good. I yeah, like okay. I like Forza Horizon 4 okay, but yeah. the actual setup of the world with the Horizon festivals is so obnoxious and cringy that yeah. I and then they're constantly blowing up your phone and saying dumb shit and I was like, eh, I, just, "I don't care." So, uh you're saying that your experience with Fast and the Furious as a franchise hasn't made you more interested in Forza? 
Ah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is like floors is really pretty, and I'll give them that. And I actually think the driving's pretty solid. I still personally prefer the driving, and like I thought, Need for Speed Heat was a phenomenal game. I really loved it. I don't expect it to be the popular opinion necessarily, though. I mean, the game still had to have sold relatively well, um, but. Something about Forza Horizon and its take on the way it's trying to pull you through. I like when racing games have a little bit of like a, a loose narrative. And I just feel like the one that they go with and keep leaning on is guys who are developing this. It feels like, whether it is or not, it feels like guys who are in like their 40s and like late 30s and 40s, maybe even up in their 50s, trying to write to be like, what would people who are like 25 getting together in a desert to race be saying? They'd be like, oh, have me on <laughs> fleek, man, and I'm going to hit up. <laughs> <laughs> now, Cliff, <laughs> I'm not arguing that the game actually says that. I don't remember. I just remember cringing a lot in 4. Okay. And in a way that felt way more stupid than some of the cringy moments that may come out of something like the need for speed reboot or uh even need for speed like uh uh, what was that game called uh the middle one i'm i'm skipping out on my carbon no the uh, middle one this generation i don't know why i can't think of it there's heat was the most recent one payback thank you yes payback was basically the fast and furious need for speed yeah I like the game, <laughs> but there I are cringy moments, but they're not cringy in the same way as that. So I don't know. You know this is one of those you know, things. Brett, when Forza 5 Horizon comes out, I want you to just download it and don't even worry about it. Cause just enjoy <laughs> your racing. You know, <laughs> I was, a, I was interested, but also not surprised that, uh, they did kind of keep their promise of all the games coming to Xbox one. Still even Forza Horizon no. five. That's not true. What's Starfield and Redfall are not are announced as Xbox S and X exclusives. Yep, but both of those games are coming out in 2022 past their 18-month window. Oh, okay. Yeah, they said first 18 sure, months. Fine. Fair enough. Yeah. Microsoft no. believes in generations, so I understand why, <laughs> you know, where we got mixed up. All right, well, here we are talking about what I'm really torn on. Sure. Redfall, and the only reason I'm torn is the game looks incredible, design wise, incredible. Yeah. I love the <laughs> idea surrounding it, even the vampire thing of it. Even though I gotta say, the vampire looks like the out, uh, the outsider from uh, <laughs> from the Dishonored series. I don't know if that's on purpose, a callback or what, uh, but yeah, I this is Arcane Austin coming through and doing something uh, new here, which is cool, but this goes back to my same thing. As much as I'm excited about what I saw, I have no clue what it is because it's just a CGI trailer for a game that you're telling me comes out summer of next year. It's less than yeah. a year ago, a, a year away, according to you, and I don't and know what it is. Yeah. I don't know how, it, I can assume because it's an arcane game, I'm sure it's going to be a first person game but yeah. what is it let me see it i don't get the idea here i don't like the oh it's a year away we're still just going to show cgi only if they showed that whole trailer and then a little short clip of like gameplay segments like kind of quickly flish together just to kind of show you <clears throat> what they have i would be much happier i don't mm-hmm. know what this is just like i don't yeah. know what starfield is it's fine show the stuff i suppose i just more i'm more like i don't even know what i'm looking at even though i'm excited yeah, I think the problem with this game versus Starfield is that you you sit here and you say you don't know what Starfield is, but you know what Starfield's going to be. 
you know? Well, arguably, the ne- in, that, in that a, same argument works for Redfall, then, right? You know well, what I don't an arcane, agree because you know arcane, what an arcane game is. Arcane has never made a modern shooter like this, which is the thing. You know, in Starfield, you're going to get out of your ship and you're going to walk. You know, and we have no absolutely no idea what this is, which is why the CGI trailer sucks for this. I would argue that, and again, I could be wrong, but I think it, in terms of what you're talking about there, I think the same assumptions can be made here. This is a game, and I, you say they haven't made a modern shooter, but they made Prey. And if I'm yeah, not mistaken, Arcane Austin really, was the exact studio that made Prey, um, yeah, which was know. a shooter game in the same sense as like a Bioshock. I mean, that, that game has got a lot of Bioshockisms to it. Um, I guess. I didn't really think of it as a shooter personally, but I also didn't like it. So. Do you think of Bioshock as a shooter? No. Bioshock's an then, adventure game. Then fair enough. But in the same vein, I think that's what they are. And the thing is, is Arcane is made up of a lot of old looking glass studio <coughs> developers who are the people that originally yeah. made like Thief and whatnot. So sure. their type of first person game is a very specific type. And I'm not going to be surprised. I have an idea because I know Arcane, they don't, they don't deviate from their core gameplay things that they like to do, which is like immersive first person games with a lot of player freedom mm-hmm. that's their thing yeah but i still really wish i knew what this was because like i agree with you do you who do you play as if you're playing single player do you get to choose there's all sorts of questions that come up which i guess the upside is is right the psychology is there that i do want to know these things so my brain is more likely to want to keep up with this because it was just enough to get excited but just vague enough that i'm still like what is this yeah when I saw it, I was like, "Cool! I want to. I want to see that. What? Whatever that is." You know? I agree. Yeah, I agree. And this is the much better between this and that uh, vampire masquerade multiplayer. This looks so much cooler. Yeah, <laughs> I have no confidence in anything with that title on it anymore. <laughs> oh, the vampire masquerade bloodlines. Yeah, so, yeah. after I, the nightmare of two, like, nothing. dude, I I don't even know if that game's going to come out. Which is more it's, funny that we start the generation. Every generation has to start with a game that just doesn't come out. Yeah. <laughs> This one, <laughs> we're going to reveal still, it, and it's never going to come out. Still blown away that Project Athia exists. <laughs> I am still blown away that Project Athia actually has a name at this point, and it's coming out soon. Yeah, again, assumedly. <laughs> sure. I I hope so. I don't want Square to repeat their same mistakes, but it's hard not to think it. You know. <laughs> Project Athia versus 13. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Square, I guess we can, yes. now that we're done with, uh, real quick, let's do like kind of yeah. like a, how did you feel overall? You kind of mentioned it earlier, but how did you feel overall about, um, um, about Microsoft's? I thought that Microsoft had a lot of good movies, <laughs> but it, it, it's tongue in cheek, right? But there's nothing that Microsoft talked about that made me go, damn i need to get an xbox and i was worried watching this worried is a weird word to use for this but i was worried that i was going to watch this conference and and go get an xbox and all this conference made me go was glad i got a pc you know (laughs) like that's that's the thing you know Uh, i'll just download starfield and see what happens all these games that are exclusive to xbox you know I'll just play them on my PC. That's totally cool with me. Well, which arguably <clears throat> means that, right, while it doesn't make you want to go out and get the system, they're still getting your business. doesn't really matter they are. to them. So, you know, yeah, it's like when sure. you look at it from the PlayStation viewpoint, it's like, oh, well, you aren't doing the thing that PlayStation always wants you to do, which mm-hmm. is buy their system to play their game. And you well, have I- to normally. But here, it's like same day, no way at all. 
I can just play it on PC. But as far as they're yeah. concerned, they're still getting your money, whether you buy the game or play it on Game Pass. Well, with that that's the question right i don't know we don't have to have a game pass debate but i just i just wonder does my 15 dollars really matter to them and actually i have like five years for one dollar so it doesn't matter or whatever that deal was a while ago so i'm loaded on game pass for very cheap yeah so what what are they doing you know and yeah i think eventually it's it's all about moving the the you know kind of moving the needle for them it's Say you were paying $15, right, yeah. for Game Pass Ultimate. Um, the, every person that's at that $15, the higher they can get it. Yeah, it eventually does matter. It's not about you as the individual. It's about how many individuals are doing it together. Mm-hmm. And the, I, get, I get that that's their, their goal, but it still yeah. feels weird when you're kind of half in this still current, somewhat modern game industry where systems – where we've been ingrained for so long to look at system sales as the important thing because you buy the system to play the games. And yeah, yeah, they they started last gen with not needing to do that, but they also didn't put out that many exclusives last gen. So it just just, never felt like it mattered. No, I mean, but go ahead. What were you going to say? I just think that the fundamental question with Bethesda and with Game Pass comes with how do they get on Sony? Or, how do they get on everything? How do they get on TVs? Yeah. How do they get on Switch? How do well, they get on PlayStation? I think, I think they have to, you know... Microsoft is a is a conglomerate that has unlimited money, but that you don't become a conglomerate that has unlimited money by le- by not making money on a product you have. So, you know, I don't know. People talk, say that Game Pass isn't, isn't making any money, and I don't see how it can until... Microsoft acquires enough studios where Game Pass can be wholly supported by them, and they're close. Yeah, I think that I think you know they're um, at twenty eight right now. I honestly think two more, two more. Oh, I thought it was twenty eight. Is it twenty three? Okay, twenty eight's the rumor, but it's twenty three right now. Oh, okay, well, look, if you can get up, okay, well, then I'll, I'm going to back up even more. Then I think twenty five to thirty. Thirty was kind of where I was thinking. But yeah. I feel like 25 to 30, so like right now, if they're at 23, if they buy smartly their next two studios and each of those studios is able to have more than a single team actively working on, you know, with mm-hmm. the way Game Pass looks like, I think if you have a, a team that can always be working on a AAA title and then a team that can be working on kind of a double A title like Obsidian does with Grounded and uh, even... I uh, this sounds weird I'm sure. I kind of hope that <coughs> The Outer Worlds 2 is a game that's developed more quickly and sticks to its double A kind of roots because mm-hmm. of the fact that it would it means it'll come out quicker and it will not fall victim to all these weird triple A expectations in the same way that The Outer Worlds was great because it kind of just like we're a double A game and we're going to embrace it. Yeah. But my my thing is like if we look at let's just put Obsidian under the microscope, right? Yeah. Obsidian has grounded, mm-hmm. avowed, yep, the Outer Worlds two, yep, and let's be honest, they probably have Fallout New Vegas two somewhere in there, right? So, if if Obsidian alone, let's say all those games are out outside of Fallout, I'm just you know outside of that game, they have those three games all come out probably by 2023. That means one of their studios can push out. A live service and two high quality IPs, which means they have twenty three of those and unlimited money. 
if 343 is putting out a Halo F free-to-play game and then a campaign once every two years, co- co- uh, Coalition, Coalition? For yeah. yeah, Coalition is doing a Gears or two every year, and then Bethesda is doing Bethesda. They don't need to do the third-party thing much longer, which I think once they buy two more studios or whatever it is, the rumor is five more. Actually, I think the rumor is four teams, but one of them has two teams, which means they'd have 28 internal teams, right? So, Well, then that means you can look at Obsidian different because I thought that they said they have 23 studios, and who knows the number of teams within those studios. Like, you know, we, we, we know that Obsidian, Obsidian has three. Well, yeah, I think and the point was... Like Insomniac think, for Sony, Insomniac has like two or three teams. They yeah. had three for sure. But who knows what Sony's doing with their VR leg? I think they'd be smart well, I, to utilize Insomniac mm-hmm. for their new VR. But well, I guess it depends on what you define as a studio, right? Is like because from the way I had read it, as I assumed this was kind of like EA and EA London were coming together, you know? So it's two studios, but they're the same entity, kind of thing. That's how I read it. So um, I think that I mean, yeah, if that's what it was, then you'd be accurate. But it's more like. Obsidian doesn't have remote locations. They have three well, teams talking, within a single location. You know what I mean? No, I don't mean Obsidian. I mean the, the team that they're supposedly oh, rumored yeah. to buy yeah, yeah, is like, like an EA and an EALA. So they're yeah, sure. getting two, two different... Like a Rockstar and a Rockstar North <laughs> right, situations. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I think once they get to the point where they don't have to have third-party deals to make Game Pass worthy, that's when they get on PlayStation. That's my that's my opinion, because at that point you have two things, right? You have Sony's not losing third party sales, and you have holy crap, we can't put any games on our console because Microsoft owns them all. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's the way that Xbox strong arms themselves in. Um, we were talking about that the other day, and I think that that's a fair argument. Um, I just wonder, as I said, I think back whenever Saul was on with me as well. My question is always. Sony doesn't do it until Sony understands how it benefits them in a profit way. They will not put it on if they're not going to see enough benefit from it. But like you said, if they get too strong armed out, they almost can't afford to not have it. So then does their price that they need to hit to be like, fine, we're going to let you on. Does it lower or does Microsoft just meet it? So they have a bigger install base at that point. But that's, that's kind of my point, right? If Microsoft game pass, doesn't have as many third party deals then all all Sony is gaining is 30%. That's it. Because they were never getting these games before. So Xbox gets their 70% or whatever it is they got on the Game Pass return. Sony gets that 30% for games they never would have gotten before. So at that point, I think it's just bad business for Sony. Well, would it be 30? Because again, that's why I say, how do you actually monetize that service? Because you're not buying the games. You're paying for a subscription that you can activate elsewhere. Does Sony well, make it to where you have to buy the game? Or you have to buy the Game Pass w- subscription on the machine? I would imagine it would be one of those things where you'd have to get Game Pass through PlayStation. And it's a PlayStation-specific thing. But maybe they, maybe not. Maybe Sony just does what they do with crossplay, and you're like, it's we just split. want a portion. Yeah, we'll, revenue. We'll take ten percent of everything or five percent. Because again, all Game Pass is at that point is free money, because they're never getting these games. That's the thing. Well, so and uh, you look at the argument, right? Because like the way they look at crossplay is like, well, are people 
you know, people are playing on our machine and they're going off and been playing on your machine and spending money elsewhere. Well, if you kind of look at the way they've structured that argument and go back, the argument I think would be, well, if people have Game Pass and they're playing too many games through Game Pass, they'll be less likely to buy games from us because of the fact that there's so much choice to play on Game Pass that we inherently will get less sales. So therefore, yeah. the 5 to 10% we're getting for free on these games we would have never had may cost oh. us the 30% that we were going to get from the game that is not on Game Pass, but now they don't have time for that game because they're too busy playing all these Game Pass games. So I think I, Sony looks at it that way. Is what, guess, what are they losing not, across the board? Yeah, but that's not happening now. What do you mean? Games are still selling on Xbox. Games so, yeah, in certainly. Game Pass are. So I don't think that's really... Well, 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 that might happen for the first couple months because by the time this happens, every game we've talked about that's exclusive is going to be out, right? Yeah. So, yeah, for a couple months... Like, you're playing I'm, backlog. Cleanup. You're playing everything. Yeah. But once you kind of catch up and it all equalizes, I don't think that becomes a problem because Ratchet & Clank versus... Redfall, I guess Redfall is a bad example because I'd pick Redfall. But Ratchet and Clank versus, I don't know, Forza Horizon 5, you might download Forza and Ratchet, but I bet you still play Ratchet. You know, you're not you're not buying a PS5 to play Game Pass, but well, it's nice to the have the exclusives, Pass sure, but I think, you know, third party and again, if Microsoft buys enough third parties, then I guess that third party exactly. doesn't exist. But, you know, the reality is that they'll never get all third party. They just won't. Um so when no, you look at it that way, enough. Sony really, they want you to buy their exclusives because they want to use that as a reason for you to like their console and look at it as superior because that's what they've been doing. Make great games and people think that your system is synonymous with great games. Uh, but really what they want you to do is buy a third party because what they make it money yeah. on is all the other games. And <clears> they're 30% right. they get off of every single thing that's sold. Uh, so Sony's a little too locked into that market and they don't have the... They don't really have the capital to do anything else. They need that or they go under. So sure, it's really but, interesting to see how this would impact. And it depends. Sony could Sony could really bounce up in a strong way th- throughout the next couple of years. But they'll never bounce up enough to be Microsoft. Because as much as Sony bounces up, Microsoft will like it bounce up just as much. You know what I mean? Microsoft, Microsoft made back the Bethesda sale threefold the next week. That's the type of company that Sony's dealing with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, and it's weird too because you have Microsoft who's willing to let Xbox's losses not matter because Xbox as a individual brand is not profitable. There's no way uh, no. because of all the things that go into Game Pass and all the investments that went into it and buying those studios. But when you look at it as is Microsoft as a whole in the green, we're far, 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 far in the green. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know they <laughs> have, why, but they have the money to offer that to Xbox. Sony doesn't have the off the money to offer that to PlayStation. They can't let yeah. PlayStation be that nimble because they don't have the money. PlayStation's a breadwinner, um, so you run into a lot of issues with what Sony ends up doing, depending on how much steam Microsoft can actually pick up. And you know, <laughs> we can look at uh, you know one of the things that was mentioned as a result of this, right, is Ryan McCaffrey saying in his opinion piece that the Xbox uh, game drought is over. And yeah, I think uh, that's a little I, ridiculous. It, it's premature. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. I think that the wording for that should be we're starting to see the end of the drought because right, right now really what you're seeing is games that are announced that move the needle a little bit. Uh, you know, like, the, oh, oh, that's exciting, but that's when it comes out. You know, for now, mm-hmm. it's just Xbox doing their thing where 
all the games that are coming out that aren't necessarily from their internal studios, but they're getting Game Pass Day 1 with, they're just using that to be the thing. So it's not an Xbox-exclusive drought that's done. Xbox is doing a great job of making you want to play the games on their console because it's cheaper and more convenient for you, depending on what you have. But yeah, until we actually start seeing the slew of games, what do we have? Before Halo, the next actual first-party exclusive that I see coming out um, that's not just an update to an existing one is Forza Horizon 5 in November. Mm -hmm. And then Halo with its holiday 2021. You're less than six months out and you still don't even have a date, but you're... Halo's next year. Huh? Halo's next year. They said holiday 2021. No, I just don't believe it's going to be 2021. That's that's fall 2022. I mean, who knows? But I think the fact that they said that they feel confident about holiday 2021, but they don't even give it a date shows that there's a high chance it moves. You know who else felt confident about their release date? 3D Realms. Oh um, boy! It's, I'm just poking fun, but yeah, it's it's really interesting though. I mean, this is where we are. I mean, I'm sure Square felt confident about a, re- a release date for Final Fantasy 13 versus at some point. We <laughs> see how that worked out. Yeah, so I, don't know. I guess to close the conversation about it, to me, it's just I think Game Pass and Microsoft is the death of a thousand cuts, and I think Sony needs to suck it up and deal with it before they die. Yeah, because right now, Microsoft, oh, go ahead. Microsoft can do anything, man. Like I've stressed this tons of times when we've talked about it, but Microsoft can do whatever they want, and they are they are letting Sony live right now. And until Sony smartens up, they're going to keep doing this. Yeah, we'll see. I'm still wondering if they can actually strong arm Sony into wanting to buy more studios, or if they'll strong arm Sony into wanting to create more internal studios from the ground yeah. up. I just wonder, like, how you compete. You know, because that's the thing, right? Bethesda, all Bethesda is is a name, you know, and and they, but the name is the important part. Starfield could be bad. Everything Arcane does, those studios could make garbage, but it'll always be holy crap. Microsoft has Bethesda. Yeah, you know? to a, I mean, to a degree. Eventually, if you do too much bad, it's gonna go down. But that's so hard because I mean, really, the I don't know though. Because let, let's really look at it. I, and it, some of this is personal. I feel like Bethesda's kind of been on a downward tilt these like the latter half of this gen. Yeah. Not necessarily in games that I enjoy, but in terms of actual critical and commercial reception, more so <clears throat> commercial reception uh, in terms of how it sells rather than critical reception. Because I love Arcane. I, they're a near and dear studio to my heart. Nothing they have put out this entire generation has sold even remotely to like toward Bethesda's expectations. No. I think well that's kind of my point, right? Is you people are acting like Microsoft bought, you know, I don't know, Jesus's shirt, but all they bought was a bunch of IP and guys who have in teams who have made shaky moves with those IPs. Yeah. You know, you have you have Bethesda Game Studios with one of my favorite games of all time and then Fallout 76 exists. Yeah. You know, like <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, so, uh, Fallout 76 is like the ultimate example, right? From the same team, or not the same team, but the same pu- developer, whatever you want to call it, it was you know developed hand-in-hand hand with the same team and then also the Bethesda Austin studio. But from the same group of people in long run that bring you Fallout 4, a game that sold more than Skyrim, yeah, bring you Fallout 76, and Fallout 76 is $5 within three months of release. 
So yeah. it's clearly a different world, and it goes to show kind of where I think Bethesda's been. I can't believe Wolfenstein 2, which was a fantastic game. I actually really liked that game. Sold terribly. It yeah. just doesn't matter. Bethesda have not been able to put out... No. It's like they've really leaned on Fallout 4 and the Elder Scrolls uh, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim re-releases to just mm-hmm. kind of float them on. And Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls Online's been big money for them. So. Uh, yeah. But it's been oh. interesting seeing them kind of float by on that but still try to let their teams do stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird because... I don't know. It's... Sorry. Um, no, it's good. The best example I can think of is kind of like a, a baseball team giving up on a promising rookie to sign... A, a great free agent and then it turns out you could have had both kind of things you know and <clears throat> you might still win the world series at the beginning but the 30 year old second baseman who is you know in his twilight years doesn't help you in the future so you don't know what you got yeah and that's they true. bought the, they bought the big name hopefully they win a world series yeah we'll see i mean you know that extra money and extra resources might actually be able to whip some of the strongest parts of bethesda which is bethesda game studios into being able to release non-broken games that would be the craziest thing of all if i get a non-broken fallout 5 i uh, i don't know what i'm going to do without being able to platinum that game (laughs) (laughs) all right so i i mean i think it was a strong uh conference but i do agree still way too much leaning on cgi and really the only thing i really walked away from the the whole conference thinking is god obsidian was like the smartest for me right i really do mean for me that was like the one acquisition they got that just really was like god that was that was a smart move because avowed looks awesome and i really want i really want avowed it looks so cool and again we didn't get to see much but i like the idea and i know they're great rpg guys Clearly following up with the Outer Worlds 2, easy, easy money. If they actually mm-hmm. do you know, finally make the Fallout New Vegas 2 happen, they would blow people's minds. So I think yeah, that, you, that's the studio that right now, at least from this place, I'm like, ah, that's the one I'm going to miss on PlayStation. I might yeah. feel the same with Ninja Theory once they show more of Hellblade 2. I might not. Who knows? When, when Microsoft announces the Fallout Remaster Collection, and it's not multi-platform, I legitimately might kill myself. So there's a lot of stuff here that could, that could happen. I'll tell you, Bethesda could, Bethesda Game Studios could be it. But honestly, Fallout 76 didn't do it for me. Fallout 4, and I know this is blasphemy to you, I thought was a very weak Bethesda Game Studios game. And by the time I yeah. got done, I didn't want to do... I, it wasn't a Bethesda Game Studios game for me because I didn't immediately want to keep playing it and do everything the game had to offer. It was my most disappointing game of the year and my game of the year. Yeah, so it's but it's it's weird. That's how it is. So they've been kind of rocky. I mean, if Starfield's a miss for me, then that doesn't really matter. <clears throat> I'm going to honestly at that point be worried about whether or not they can actually deliver with Elder Scrolls Six or not. So it's mm-hmm. right now Bethesda Game Studios in a shaky enough spot that they're not what I would have imagined. It's it's odd that the B team of Obsidian is the far more exciting RPG studio of the two to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see how that plays out. I will definitely, at some point in time, either have to beef my computer up and finally get a graphics card if they'll ever stop being... Oh, they're probably not going to stop being scalped. But <laughs> no, probably not. All right, moving on into Square. Square is pretty quick. Um Guardians of the Galaxy, you already kind of teased when you uh, were kind of talking about <laughs> earlier. So, Guardians of the Galaxy does it for you? Incre- so much. I'm very excited. Interesting. So, do I'm you a have gigantic any gigantic Marvel nerd? Did you play Avengers yet? 
Yes. Did you like it? No. This is a like general the, question. What about why, why would you playing Avengers and not really liking it? How does that affect one way or the other, if it doesn't at all, the way you feel about Guardians of the Galaxy coming from not the same studio, but the same publisher and kind of to some degree, I would imagine the same guiding hand. Because I saw a lot of Avengers in Guardians of the Galaxy, though Guardians of the Galaxy definitely looks more charismatic and interesting. Well, I guess I can say having played Avengers, not not, not to be a dick, and I haven't. I just, That's I why I say it. I, I don't see. I don't see anything. I had more fun watching the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy than I had the entire time I played the Avengers. Interesting. Yeah, I've not played the the Avengers at all. All I've seen is someone else play the uh, demo that they had put out. I started where you go to through play, the beginning of the game or whatever. I I started to play as the Hulk, and I was so pissed off that he wasn't fun that I deleted the game and never played it again. Oh man! So in the opening it, mission, it's insane. No, he's like halfway, like two, three missions in. But like, I played a couple missions with him, and I was like, this just doesn't isn't good. It's just. Why can't the Hulk throw stuff regularly? It's, it's just like, why is this like this? I just didn't like it. I always find those games weird because, like, <clears throat> there's a game out there that has the Hulk in it that everyone loves. It's that Hulk. Um, it might have actually just been called the Hulk. <laughs> it was a GameCube game where you was like an open world and you could run around and jump on cars and smash them and throw them and grab yeah. light. Like people love that. And then you make a game and you like think about this, Marvel. <laughs> when they partnered with Insomniac, Insomniac kind of like, oh, everyone really loves the way that they handled swinging in Spider-Man 2. So we're going to kind of make our swinging system somewhat of a love letter to that. And then it's like, oh, this one, oh, everyone loved the Hulk in that game. We're going to make our Hulk nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, I was blown away by it. But I think another thing is this is not a uh, live service game. And that's all I needed. The funniest thing is that the insistence from from crystal dynamics that avengers was not a live service game but it's clearly what it's trying to go for there's they should just lean into we made a live service game because if this if this isn't a live service game this is one of the worst games of all time well it's like it is but they keep wanting (laughs) to stress that it has a single player but it's like yeah but what do you actually show every time you show the game you show the multiplayer missions for the most part yeah. that's what you're doing you're trying to get people buying into the live service aspect yeah uh, that's the, the thing it's like you put you know it's a quest for better pants game but you can't see your pants it's all this problem these stuff that doesn't make any sense so you know what was interesting one of the things that happened with me right i was a little late to the square thing starting and yeah. i guess my brain was dumb for a second <clears throat> because I jumped in right at the scene when they were showing um, Drax throwing Rocket across the chasm. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. And I I literally, as soon as my screen came on, it was where the decision goes between the two. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, even though I should have been aware of the fact that it was square, I knew what I clicked on. My brain was like, what is this like? Guardians of the Galaxy follow up to the Telltale series. I'm like, is this Telltale coming back and having a new? <laughs> I was like, man, Telltale really up their game. And then I stopped. I was like, wait a minute, this is Square Enix. What am I talking about? <laughs> and uh, but I had that thought process for a minute because the way that it looked and the way it approached the decision making, I was like, why does this look like a Telltale game to me? And I guess because I you I wasn't seeing the direct control of the characters or anything, so I was just seeing decision making. But I was like, man, 
they really came back strong. I'm really excited now for what they're going to do with the Wolf Among Us too. But um, yeah, I, I think it looks good. It still runs into that thing of what naturally happens, and it, I, I think Avengers suffered for it, from it too. They are pulling from the comics to a degree, but they're also trying to pull from the movie just enough to be able to get some of like the cast from it, which I also think, regardless of what they say, I think that's somewhat true of Insomniac with Spider-Man's uh, face change. Um, but you end up getting this thing where like it feels like they just kind of missed, like they were trying to go for the movies and they just kind of missed. But some of the things look really good. I thought Groot looked great, and I liked the way that they presented him. I thought Rocket looked cool, um, and I liked the way that they went about his take on the character and stuff as well with his voice acting and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I felt like Drax was just—I don't know. It felt like it was trying to be, which I guess is always going to happen with adaptations, right? It's slight changes to a defined character. Yeah, and it—I I guess. I what I find interesting is I didn't have any of those same reservations in the Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy game, but whenever you start bringing into that more humanistic look and less of that cartoony art style, the more my brain's like, you're trying to look like the real version, like the real life version I've seen elsewhere, and you're just missing. I think the game looks interesting. I'm willing to give it a try. I thought that they showed it for a little too long. I kind of agree. But, but I, I would they, rather have 20 minutes of gameplay than a five-minute CGI trailer, personally. Agreed. I, I, <clears throat> yeah, they may have went overkill, but I'd rather have an overkill and know what I'm getting into than just see a CG trailer. Um, what I was going to say about the... I thought that the shooting... I'm a little worried about how repetitive it's going to get since you only play as uh, Star-Lord. I hope that there's enough variance in it, but it, I kept kind of watching. I was like, oh, he's just... Backing up, sliding, shoot, 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 shoot. I was like, I kind of hope that they do a little bit more than that or that there's enough pacing rhythm that it doesn't ever feel like it's just that. But, you know, that's what's weird about showing little slices of gameplay. I don't know. I guess, yeah, I I guess I can see what you're saying, but I guess you kind of feels like something you could say about literally any Anything. game. Anything. I was actually supposed to say Uncharted is very it Yeah. I think one of the best times they ever actually showed Uncharted, weirdly enough, was Uncharted Four when they when showed it broke. this <laughs> not, well, not that one, but the one where they showed him when he's on Madagascar and he's like in the in the gameplay they use, they actually showed him like being very vertical and like using the zip like the the grapple hook to swing up and then like jump down and enemy punch him and then hide and then show the new stealth mechanics and everything. It it felt the most varied of any Uncharted because a lot of the times they show Uncharted, it's like oh, it's just him shooting at people and then finding a old item and then shooting at people because it's all <laughs> it's kind of a hard game to show. Uh, outside of just look how pretty it is you know but when you play it the games aren't really set up that way it's more like oh you're going to shoot people but you're going to have the pacing you need in between um and i just felt like they kept cutting at weird moments i was like i would have liked to have seen how that would have went without cutting here i don't know it was interesting i'm i'm excited and it's pretty close october 21st um but you do have that thing where it's like i feel like they missed so far with avengers despite not having played it just nothing about the avengers screams to me to want to play it that i was a little like do i want to give the same publisher the thing with guardians of the galaxy but it's a different developer so i guess i'll just give them the benefit of the doubt and see how it goes 
They've, you know, as long as it's a single player game, they've already a step above the Avengers. So true. Uh, how do you feel about Final Fantasy one through seven? I, I know you're not a big Final Fantasy fan that you've talked about wanting to jump into them, but mm. how do you feel about seeing that one through th- one through six's pixel remasters are not even going to hit console? Uh, they'll hit console. I think they will too. But why Steam Mobile first? Probably quicker. Maybe. I don't know. There, these games are obviously going to come to consoles. You know, in my opinion, it's so obvious and of a move that there's just no reason not to. Well, but to be um, fair, at that point, then every one of the Final Fantasy games that they've remastered for phones, like three and everything, which they're terrible. They look bad because they completely changed art style. <laughs> but there's yeah. no reason they couldn't have brought those to console. Like you know, there's a complete version of. Um, yeah, I mean, you just said it. They're terrible versions. They, they, if, if I mean, they're still the same game. The only reason they're terrible is the art style. It's just controversial right. art style. But even at that point, I think I kind of look at like <laughs> one of the games they showed, Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier. There's no real reason mm-hmm. that can't be brought to console. I mean, it could basically be like Fortnite to that degree where they could have it be, oh, here you are. You're just going to play on everything. Because that game actually looks surprisingly good for a phone game. It looks like it controls <laughs> fairly well. I just think that there's a reason they go for the mobile market and keep it somewhat separate than the console market for whatever reason. Person, for me, I think they go for the mobile market and Steam first because if they did it the other way, nobody would buy them on mobile and Steam. And this is just free money right now from people who will buy it thinking they're exclusive. And then in six months, when they all come out on their own for nineteen ninety nine on PSN, you'll buy them there too. I mean, I think I agree with the case. I agree with the buy at both places thing that will naturally happen. I don't agree that they wouldn't sell on Steam and mobile if they came out later on Steam and mobile. Though arguably, I think I that there's a, a way that they could come out on all and well, still make money. I at think the same time. I'm I, I'm more specifically talking about phones. I think you would be a hard. You could sell me right now on Final Fantasy VI on my phone, but if it was on PS4, I wouldn't buy it on my phone. And I think there's a lot of people like that. I think there That's is, the but I think there's I far think more of. people who just play on their phone for convenience sake. So it's That's it's fair. it's interesting. I mean, you're right. I think more of the core gaming market that makes up you know what we expect when we think about like Sony and whatnot is different but there's a lot of people that play phone games i i no, for sure. often feel like i underestimate how many phone gamers there are and not I just just candy crush i just think <laughs> you know? that's the reason for me that like if if there's a reason not to do it immediately it's to get those sales it's it's the days gone argument you know you you run it out on on ps4 you sell it on steam to me, it's the same thing. I got you. Basically, I you you reach uh, you reach market penetration on that platform before you yeah. go to another one. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in less than less than six months these were on PlayStation. It's probably just hey, we have this done already. We're, we we haven't finished it. Well, there, see, I'm you know? I'm curious what that pixel remaster means because a lot of those games have already been re released on phones. Like you can play Final Fantasy VI well, with a god awful art that, style. So I hope that, that it, pixel remaster actually means thinking about the pixel art and making sure it still yeah. looks right because they just recently came out with saga frontier remastered yep and it is still pixel art but it looks a lot better and a lot more vibrant and more detailed but still pixel art so if they're keeping yeah. that in mind uh they could do a lot better yeah i just think that's why they're called the pixel ones is because they're just doing it the way they were originally yeah that's that's my opinion i'd be smart uh yeah. this one's interesting I uh, are you a big diablo person no. Not really. How'd you feel about Babylon's Fall then? 
because the weird thing about it is it's almost they said like it's a hack and slash so it's almost like <clears throat> it's almost like what I kind of view a game like the original uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance PS2 games are they're third yeah. person isometric hack and slash games where loot does come into play kind of like Diablo but they're not really constantly about getting better in legendary loot it's better it's more just about getting loot until you beat the game and then you kind of just mm-hmm. done you replay it because it's fun um but they kind of talked about the actual saying it's a live service title so it makes me think yeah more i uh, diablo i have no interest in babylon's fall it looks boring to me um and then uh, honestly i know you're not gonna like this answer but i didn't like near this reminds me of Nier. Not interested. <laughs> Doesn't remind me of Nier at all. I, I don't. It's not that I don't like that you're talking about Nier. I just don't see the connection at all. That just that's what it reminded me of. I'll, I have to rewatch it, but I know that I think it might be because of when it happened in the conference. They like literally right showed after Nier, Nier for some reason. Where I was like, oh, well, don't care about this, and then I kind of tuned out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make me think of that. I'm not saying you're wrong. It just depends on what it is that you saw in it that I wasn't thinking of. But I didn't see no, you're Nier right. in a lot I'm of looking things. at it now. It yeah. doesn't really look like Nier. I don't know where I got that idea. I still think it looks boring. Yeah, Just like fair. looking at the trailer. Well, see, while we're thinking about games, because one thing I will <laughs> say is I was a little surprised at the art style. I feel like this is not what it looked like when they first were kind of teasing it and showing it off mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is a real theory but my mind makes me want to say that i remember when they first showed godfall that i kind of thought godfall looked like it was aping the babylon's fall teaser okay and then we see babylon's fall and now i'm like this doesn't look at all like I, the initial teaser kind of hinted at in me so i think what may have happened is babylon's falls taken longer than they expected anyway godfall came out and now they're like ah we don't want to be too close to that style so we're gonna because i've never heard them say babylon's fall had a unique uh, art style and that was one of the things that they said here like a unique art style and i'm like y'all didn't say that last time and we saw the game <laughs> play like a year and a half ago uh or maybe it was 2019 we saw like a little gameplay section and it didn't look like this it looks fine i'm fine with the idea uh, i'm curious to see how it goes i think it's interesting that it looks like more of a double a game uh, which yeah. I guess arguably is what those are. Because, I mean, in a lot of ways, Nier Automata is a double-A game. So, you know. Uh, how you, Are you a big Life is Strange fan? Yeah, I'm looking forward to those games. The remastered is kind of interesting. Because, like, I saw it and I'm like, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with those games the way they did look. And I don't feel like you're doing that much to them. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm probably not going to buy those again. Those are games where I play them once and just remember the story and like them i don't know that i would have fun playing it again yeah i'll never play them again unless i decide i really need to get a trophy yeah you know that's the only reason i could see myself playing them but they're good i liked them a lot so you excited for true colors yes yes i am interesting the only thing i have is i don't know how i feel about the choice of power here the empath thing empath it sounds very uh lame but I, yeah i wasn't I like a real franchise. big fan of what i saw either i'm hoping that in motion it's better but i kind of liked the way that they did uh and i, I guess i should go back and think of don't nod the actual original creators of the series because i feel like life is strange one focusing on the girl with powers but the story really being hinged on the girl without powers 
was an interesting take. And then they kind of flipped it on its head with Life is Strange 2, where you play from the perspective of the person who doesn't have the powers, but the story really is hinged all around the person who has powers. Um, I I don't know. I just I feel like eventually they're going to run to a point where having the powers are going to keep having to think of new powers. And one of the interesting things about Life is Strange 2 is that they didn't really have to think about the implications of how to bring the powers into gameplay because you didn't have the powers. Like you could sometimes tell your brother what you wanted him to do, but it was all very limited and it didn't really need to be into every second's gameplay. Like Life is Strange 1, you had to always be able to rewind constantly no matter where Mm -hmm. you were. And they didn't realize to think about that with the second. And the second still was a great story while feeling unique in its own right. So interested to see what they'll do, though. I mean, I thought Before the Storm was fine. It was a good game. It's the same developer of that. So The hot moment of the whole Square Enix show. Oh. Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. The game oh, that God. was teased. I won't say teased. It was leaked. <clears throat> rumored. Uh, it was, yeah, it was rumored, but it was basically leaked. Um Every aspect of it, except for the PlayStation exclusivity, was correct. Um, Final Fantasy Origin is a sub-name, is what they said it was going to be called. So they mostly had that right. It is Team Ninja. Uh, It is coming out next year, as far as they're saying. Not PS exclusive, but their demo is PS5 exclusive, the early version of the demo. So maybe that's where the confusion hit. Um, How do you feel about this? Uh, It looked generic and boring. But uh seems like it could be cool for people who like Final Fantasy 1. I think it also looks generic and boring. And I saw oh, the jokes God. about it looking like a PS2, PS3 game. Yeah. And I will say I do agree. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the environment. It looked like very corridor-like and very, like really drab like grays and no color. Mm-hmm. Like The only color was all on Garland. And that was cool seeing Garland like that. Um but I don't know. I'm torn. I hope that this is a case of showing the game. I, you can't really say too early for a game that's saying it's coming out next year. <laughs> but I'm hoping that in the next year they have a way to smooth out this game and make it look more. Like, it's interesting seeing it Team Ninja when Team Ninja did Neo, and Neo looks fine. It's an interesting looking game, and Neo 2 looks even better. How does this look so bland? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It seems it seems like they're like oh we really want to make a Dark Souls game do it quick because that's the rumor that it, it's it's like a Dark Souls type game. Yeah, I mean and that's all I can imagine. Nomura Tetsuya Nomura apparently is the like creative director for it and mm-hmm. like the concept head. And I don't know. I was trying. I was like I was ho- I don't know if it's like <clears throat> translation error or what, but he's like I wanted to tell a story about an angry man. And I'm like, that's so broad and weird, It's but also specific. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's both broad and specific. I know that shouldn't make sense, but that's what I felt. Like, it's so broad. It's like, you just want to tell a story about someone who's angry, but also you said it in such a way that's like, I specifically want to tell a story about an angry man. Like, that's a defining characteristic. I don't know. It looks odd. I'm willing to give it a chance. And I, I when they first talked about it and leaked, it was one of those things that I think... I'm a little bit of a victim of expectation because the leak sounded more promising than what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the leak sounded really cool. It almost makes me wonder if this isn't the game that was leaked. <laughs> like it's still something else. <laughs> yeah. Like Team Ninja is still working on a different Final Fantasy game. 
I kind of almost hope so. Seems unlikely. Uh, how'd you, so, I mean, overall, I felt like Squares was kind of weak, but I'm my hope is that the reason that is is because they're going to have a, a good bit of stuff at Sony's thing that just made more sense to have in Sony's showcase if they do indeed mm-hmm. would do one, and that by nature they were left with less things to put into their own one. I think starting with Guardians was probably the right move because I think if they started with anything else, people would have just skipped out. You start with something relatively strong, and then you get to go through and hope that it's strong at the end, and I think that that's what they were hoping for with Stranger of Paradise, but I don't think it had the reception it they thought. But if yeah, you started with Danger of Paradise, I don't think that anybody would have, <laughs> would have been that excited to the rest of the showcase, you know? No. Yeah, it, I honestly feel like they should have switched Guardians and Strangers of Paradise. Really? You don't think you would have been so bored at the very beginning? No, because I was bored at the end. <laughs> True. I guess it's better to, to go out on a high than to come in on yeah. a high. Which I can understand why they think this was a high. But it wasn't. <laughs> Everybody's riding that uh, Souls game, uh, you know. But here's the thing: they never really said anything or showed anything that actually suggested that. If it wasn't for the leak saying that it was supposed to be that type of game, I would have never looked at this and thought, "Okay, this is a Soul style game." More than anything, I kind of thought, "Is this is a monster? Like, is this a Monster Hunter clone?" <laughs> Maybe I could see it. I think it makes a lot of sense that it would be a. Um, Dark Souls clones, so... I think it makes sense, but not with what I was shown. I guess it doesn't jive with what they showed me. Other than, like, the potential of the Garland boss fight. But that's still... You know, it kind of just looked like Final Fantasy fifteen, <laughs> Combat-wise, yeah, exactly. you know? Exactly. Yeah, it didn't... It just... It didn't seem like anything special to me. Which is sad. Yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, let's see. Real quick, I guess we're going to run through Capcom, which was just RE8, Monster Hunter Stories 2, which is coming very soon, a Switch exclusive, which basically I view as how to train your dragon meets up Monster Hunter. Uh, <laughs> Monster Hunter Rise getting an update for the Switch. The great Ace Attorney Chronicles coming west uh, for PS4, very Switch, excited. and Steam. That's pretty cool. And then ending on esports. And esports is always weird because I don't know anybody who's super into them. So every time something esports comes on, I'm just so disinterested. But you know what? I pretend I don't like esports, but then I watched all of the uh, Apex Championships. So who knows? Clearly, you, clearly you do. And then you the, gotta find your game. <laughs> so Capcom was fine, but it was all known things to the point where you almost wonder why they needed to be at E3 because I don't know that we learned anything. Yeah, I feel like they spent money to tell us things <clears> that we already knew. All of this would have worked the exact same way as just news drops, and I don't think it would have impacted anything differently, um, which is interesting. They're leaning heavy on Monster Hunter, not surprising, as it's done really well for them. Um, and then, of course, the weirdest thing, Take-Two Interactive, saying they have a keynote, but it's... <laughs> I don't want to say just, because I guess that undermines the point of it, but I don't think calling it a keynote was the right move. Because it wasn't really anything. It was it was more like an open discussion, which and it was like you could ask questions and stuff too, which is cool, but it feels more like a panel. And I like yeah. panels because of those things, but that's not what I ex- expect from a keynote, you know? I think it's like, yeah. it makes me think back, and uh, clearly this was even, you know, the PSX that I'm, th- I'm going to talk about is more like it. But the last PXX, uh, PSX they did, uh, that I, I mean, we went to it, 
and it was the time it was a year where they were kind of like we're not going to have a traditional keynote and so it was like they did have announcements but then in between that they had like developers and sean Layden and stuff coming out on stage and talking to each other but it still had announcements and it still felt like more of a keynote and then but and and like a keynote and a panel kind of mixed together this just felt like a panel and so yeah. I don't know. Very odd. I, it may not have been their fault. It may have been that IGN was saying keynote, and it could have just been, you know, the the verbiage was off and wrong. But yeah, very odd. Uh, that's real. That's all it was. I mean, it was about diversity and inclusiveness in gaming, uh, and it was a panel full of people who all represented those things, and that's cool. And they talked about a lot of things in regards to how they go through decision making in their life and whatnot, and how it impacts them in regards to games and other things, even outside of games. It just—I don't know. I, I guess it was one of those things where I don't think anybody expected that, like even remotely. So I think it shocked a lot of people, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people were like genuinely upset. <laughs> but we'll see about that. Um, so, here, Chris, here's my final kind of wrap-up question to you. Sure. Sony have kind of made their bet in a lot of ways, and Nintendo to a small degree as well. That yeah. E3 really isn't all that important. And a bunch of them have, right? A bunch of them do their own thing around E3 time period. Like Ubisoft Forward is not part of E3 uh, anymore. EA, their thing is not part of E3. It's a completely separate thing. Um, how do you feel about E3 in this time of year and how important it is to have all this stuff together? Do you think it's like a good thing or would you rather kind of see E3 fall by the wayside and everybody just kind of come out with their own things that aren't as tethered together? Um, I think the only thing that E3 does is serve as a goalpost to be like, this is when we're announcing our stuff. And I think it's a celebration of the industry. I, but I don't think, I think this year proved that E3 is kind of a waste of time in the current climate. I agree. I think the weirdest thing about this is that the only truly decent conference that I've seen thus far was Microsoft's. And I still feel like it did have problems. I think it was yeah. solid, and I saw some stuff that I was interested in, and that's cool. And it had great pacing. It kept showing things, and I like that. But I think it was a little too long. I don't really think mm-hmm. it needed to be that long. Um, and I think that it showed a little too much CGI, which I think <laughs> indicates that they weren't really ready to show things. They just wanted to show them because E3 calls for it. And I think that's what also got us to Square Enix doing what mm-hmm. they did and Capcom doing what they did. It's just what well, E3 calls for something. They expect us to be there and do something. So we're going to put something together. Well, I guess the thing is, I would argue that the problem with Sony and Nintendo dropping out, at least from the way it usually was, where it was Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo or Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, whichever it was, yeah, is that we couldn't, we no longer focus on the big three so we see the flaws that have always existed in all of these other press conferences. Uh, you're you know, probably right, yeah. We would not be judging Square Enix this hard because this is an average Square Enix press conference. But we're not distracted by what Sony announced and what Nintendo announced. So we got a bunch of CGI from Microsoft and interesting game concepts from Microsoft. And then we got regular run-of-the-mill Two, three announcements from Square, 
and then whatever else they're talking about. You got Ubisoft with two, three announcements, and then you got another Assassin's Creed DLC and another Far Cry blowout. So I think on 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 the whole, it was the same as it's always been. It's just noticeable, noticeably worse because we're missing the big tentpole, exciting showcases. I think you're right, but I also think that as it's been happening throughout the entire last generation, is going to continue to be not a problem, but just an element in the mix, is that I'm not super big on live <laughs> service. So for me, I think that there was an arguably too much time spent on giving me updates for games that are already existing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would rather that not be during this keynote and i guess that's what it is is that the excitement around the, what it used to be uh, or what it had become for a while was all big reveals in interesting ways it's kind of gone because like we saw a considerable amount of time spent on fallout 76 showing what's coming and i'm not saying that that's not important for people that play fallout 76 but i don't necessarily know that i think it ne- needs to be on the same stage as all these new announcements um but I guess that just depends on what you do. I feel like spending time on Elder Scrolls Online was interesting um, because it's like every year you kind of just expect that that's going to be there. So you'll think to yourself, well, now every year at E3 for Bethesda, you're always going to have a Fallout 76 update and an Elder Scrolls Online update. And if they make any other games, uh, you know, live service games we're going to get those updates and now with square we see a chunk of the thing being oh well now we're getting marvel's avengers updates and brave xvs updates and babylon's fall once it comes out as a live uh, you know they're saying it's a live service game it'll also get updates constantly and then you kind of just keep going through that and then we see monster hunter and oh it's like okay well we're going to talk about that stuff i mean capcom was i guess the only one that was they talked about games that were already out but they talked about dlc more so than they talked about like roadmap i don't know it still just felt weird i think for what i expect out of them and the type of gamer i am that impacts these in a way where they feel predictable and boring in comparison to what they used to um i guess i don't know i think the i think you're right to an extent but i don't think those are for us they're definitely not for me e3 I don't. Uh, this might be a hot take, but I don't think the average person is supposed to watch E3. So you get updates on Fallout, you get updates on all this stuff because you get it for the guy who's checking IGN. You know, that's all it is. Um, sure. So I think that's the thing. Is I think this is all. I think this is all just companies telling you what they got coming. They don't care that you know me and you are watching this. They just care about the guy who's only plays Fallout 76 and is like, oh, I wonder if that E3 thing had anything about my game. And it did, you know? Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I definitely know you're right in the in the bigger scheme of, well, I guess I'm, I'm mixed on that. I think that you're right in that a large amount of people don't watch E3, but I also think a lot of the core gaming population are very into e3 and even the casuals i think spend a lot of time on e3 because it's hyped up that way um and even like the game awards had such a big turnout so it's clear that more and more and more and more people are getting into it and that means that the expectations around it are going to change and the market that's primarily being reached is going to change and they're probably going to try and lean into the market at one point in time e3 was about investors and whatnot and that's just not what it is anymore definitely now that it's all digital so well uh, and i guess that kind of proves my point in a way where if more if more casual people are watching this 
then that's even more reason to put this stuff in there, even though it's boring for us who just want the exciting stuff, you know? Yeah, because you think about the way E3 was, right? Do you remember when E3 used to have, like, charts and, and stuff showing numbers? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, we're so far removed from that time when Sony's showing, like, charts of rate of growth for PS2, PS3, and PSP behind them. That's not how they do things anymore, because they don't need to do that. <laughs> it's exactly. Just, it, it's just different. I mean... E3 is in a very different spot because there, it's not about investors coming together and seeing where a company's at and back-end meetings happening between publishers and potential uh, developer deals that could be happening for pitches. That doesn't really happen that way anymore and definitely not in a post-COVID world where everything's done digitally. But even before mm-hmm. COVID, a lot of the showcases were just digital. Yeah, that's true. So. Well, it'd be interesting to see where E3 goes and also how much Summer Game Fest ends up impacting E3's ability to stay around. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Keighley's over there just like, yes, everything will be through Summer Game Fest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up uh, de facto hosting E3 again and just Summer Game Fest is it. Yeah, basically it's it's E3 because of time of the year, but E3 itself actually falls by the wayside. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, that's what it is. Like I said, Sony's having a, a conference on July 8th. It's all happening at the same time and space. It's just Sony's not here this week. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely see what ends up happening um, and how that Sorry, goes in the, in the future years. I mean, I, I'm talking about E3 as a whole, you know, like how, it, how it impacts everyone. Um Where's this July 8th coming from? Is this real data? Yeah, I know it's coming happening on July 8th. <laughs> and why do you feel not, so sure? I just, I know. I'm not kidding. You'll when, when it happens, you'll be like, oh, Chris was right. He had a source and it was right. So do you have a source or does someone you watch have a source? I know, but I've also heard from the same people. <laughs> look i wouldn't be surprised i think they're gonna have their own thing i just don't know what date <laughs> july 8th grand theft auto enhanced edition trailer well, the, single player dlc that, i'm just kidding about that part but the grand theft auto i wouldn't be surprised part. about they're gonna squeeze that lemon for all it's worth yep all right well thanks for joining me chris what do you think should be the community's take uh, you know, even if it's not oh. something related to what we've talked about i'm gonna let you as the guest uh choose where our audience gets to go that's okay. I'll keep it related to what game did you see at E3 made you the most excited and did it live up to those expectations? Fair enough. All right. Not this E3, but E3 in general. E3 in general. Good yes. good clarification. All <laughs> right, Chris, I will smack that up when it comes time to do all the stuff. Again, thank you so much for filling in with Saul, for Saul. Uh, you were the first name that came out of Saul's mouth whenever he said he wasn't going to be able. Um, and so it's, I'm glad that you were able to come in and fill in. I think Saul seems to like you and think you're a, you're a good fill-in host. So hopefully the rest of the audience agrees. If you oh, guys like this episode, make sure you shout out Chris for spending – roughly three hours with me uh talking about all the stuff that we were gonna have to talk about today i've stayed up way past when i should have <laughs> so same I this episode will probably hours. be edited and posted at some point in time tomorrow <laughs> we'll see how that ends up going chris thank you man appreciate you everyone go shout out chris he's at figz21k on twitter show him some love hit him up on the discord he's in there do all those things let him know you enjoyed him here and lastly, make sure you keep up with us on Triangle Squared 
on our Twitter at S, Triangle SQRD on Facebook and the Triangle Squared group that you could be asked to enter it into. Head up with Discord in the comments or not in the comments but in the description rather and join our discussions there <clears throat> and if you want to support um, us further head over to patreon.com slash nartech yeah. chris did you want to add something in yeah i wanted to hit the red lights on your uh your uh at, fuck sorry i wanted to hit the red lights on your little ending here so that i could shout out that we are doing our road to fast nine series on our other podcast midweek matinee so if anyone wants to join us and hear us talk about the Fast and the Furious, and when Fast Nine comes out, I'm sure we'll talk about other movies. So wait, wait, wait! I Chris, just wanted to call. Are you telling yes. me that that you're doing the Road to Fast Nine? We are doing the Road to Fast Nine, yeah. And what Fast and Furious movie are we on? We have finished Fast Seven. So you're telling me the cur- fate of the Furious is coming up next? Yes, we are watching The Fate of the Furious next. All right, guys. Yeah, if you want to check out those, <laughs> I've actually I've had a ton of fun doing those episodes. Yeah, it's been a lot They're of fun. They're goofy man. and all over the place. I wish I had the time right now to do the extra stuff I was doing early days, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Making the little titles, like, you know, things that we were doing was super fun, but. Yeah, I'm sad about it, but it was a good time. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. We've been able to keep up the custom intros, so I'm, I'm glad about that. We've we've done we've gotten to keep up something with this first ever run of movies, you know, in a sequence like this. So this is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Ah, right, Chris, thanks for joining me, man. I will be joining you again Thursday whenever we actually do Fate of the Furious. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we get to determine whether we want to add in a Hobbs and Shaw based off of how we feel at that point, I suppose. But. Uh, all right man appreciate you again everyone give them some love and it's time for me to shout out our patrons so a huge thank you to our patrons uh oh my mouse died oh man so no patrons for you peoples all right (laughs) shout out to kyle graham josh Jarrell, matthew green my name is dan who do you think is next chris Luke Bartolomeo. That's right. Sean Santarude. And then Sean Santarude. Funk Turkey. Funk Turkey. Danny Villiobos. Danny Corey Villiobos, Hickerson. Corey Hickerson. Blake Popes. Nope, Blake Popes. Chris Even Fitch. though he just ended his. So, uh, Kevin Bacon Bits. Mark Schutz. Shadowist. Yep. Steven yep. Salazar. The Stonard. Rich. Constantly Kenny. Solitary Red. And then I think there's a Chris Figgs oh. right here. Is that a Chris Figs? That's a Chris Figs. Wild in the oh. in, in, in the patron list. Zachary Sawyer, <laughs> Landis, Rude Days ninety three, Josh Draco, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warpoint, Richard Schaefer, and Ham and Egger. Ham and Egger. Thank you <laughs> all so much. Chris you did a great job pretending to keep up on time. You did pretty good early <laughs> days because I know I, I you don't that. have this list, but you edit enough that you hear them. Yeah. I do. And you hear you listen to me have to <laughs> stammer them off after every episode we do. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, man, thanks. And everyone, hope Thank you, you have a great week. Arrivederci, amigos. God, fucking mouth down. <laughs> I tried really hard not to swear. Out.